2: Good Tuesday morning, Mississippi. I hope you are doing well. Welcome to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Gerard is out. Russ Latino guest hosting again today, I guess. On Friday, it wasn't too horrible. They they said I could come back, visit with my pal Rhino in the, the booth. Rhino, you have a good weekend?
3: Oh, yeah.
4: it uh It didn't seem quite long enough, but then again, this time of year, it doesn't really seem like there's enough time for all the fun to be had.
2: There is a lot of fun this time of year. Fall is by far my favorite season of the year, and I think it's because you're coming out of these super hot months, and you're just blessed that you walk out of the house. If you're leaving the house early in the morning, and there's that crispness in the air, it, there's something about that feeling that is uh, that is comforting after a hundred degree. Uh, days with 100% humidity, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah,
4: and it, it's real easy to lose track of time, and, well, I'll just go sit on the front porch for, for 15, 20 minutes and enjoy the weather, and then you look up, and it's it's been an hour. I've been enjoying the weather too long. i got other stuff to do.
2: <laughs> well, it's good to stop every once in a while and smell the proverbial roses, as they say. Uh, we've got a great program lined up for you from the Element Wealth Studio today. Uh, at noon, we'll be talking with Senator Roger Wicker, uh, Senator Wicker is going to come on and talk to us a little bit about the atmosphere in Washington, D.C. right now, midterm elections on the horizon, and then developments with the Russia-Ukraine-Ukrainian conflict. Obviously, over the weekend, that, that got heightened um, and has been escalating for some time now. Uh, Ilya Shapiro from the Manhattan Institute is going to be on with us. Around the 11.37 mark, if you will, in the 11 o'clock hour, uh, Ilya is a, a constitutional lawyer and an expert on the Supreme Court. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Supreme Court term, which just began on October 3rd, so we're not too far away from that. And they've started to hear some really big cases. You know, coming out of last year, there were a number of huge cases decided by the Supreme Court. Obviously, the Dobbs case, which we know well in Mississippi, and which the entire nation knows well, given the the height of that precedent and how long Roe had been in effect. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about some of the cases that are coming down the pike this year. Also, some very, very large cases. And, and look, I, I know there are a lot of people who um, look at the Trump presidency, um, if you're on the left side of the ideological spectrum, Uh, with derision, and if you're on the right side of the ideological spectrum, it's a little bit of a mixed bag sometimes. Um, But whatever you think of his presidency, if you believe that power should ultimately reside in elected representatives to make policy, and if you believe that most of that power should reside locally, where we can control and hold people accountable, Then the U.S. Supreme Court in its current composition is as close to that form of government as we've had in generations. And it would not be in the place that it is in if not for the appointments that President Trump had made, and if not for the work candidly that Mitch McConnell had done in the Senate. To get people confirmed, in some cases, uh, in extremely partisan and tight circumstances. I mean, you know, there was a day and age when Antonin Scalia got confirmed with, I think, 97 votes in the U.S. Senate. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think, got confirmed with 98 votes in the U.S. Senate. Obviously, those days are gone. So a lot of work went into getting people put on the court that actually believe that it's the role of a justice not to make laws but to define or say what the Constitution allows, right? And so uh, I think we've got a court that's very close to that right now. Certainly not every decision is going to be a decision you agree with, but I think structurally in a great place, and we'll talk with Ilya about that. Uh, and then in this hour, we'll talk to William McKinley, Mississippi Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Deer season is upon us, or, you know, at least bow season is upon us, Uh, and gun season's right around the corner, also fall turkey season right around the corner, we'll talk about kind of what they're seeing, what they're expecting out of the season, Uh, talk a little bit about CWD, chronic wasting disease, uh, and just get his take on things right now, I know there are a lot of people listening, uh, and a lot of Mississippians generally, who for generations hunting is is a fall tradition, and so we look forward to that. Rhino, do you know the the background on his name? Because obviously that is a president,
4: President McKinley.
2: Yeah, but I'm saying uh, William McKinley. You think he's named after the the president?
4: I don't know. We'll have to ask.
2: Him. Has anybody ever asked him that when he's on? I don't it? think so. Well, we're gonna we're gonna ask the tough questions <laughs> and, and get the tough answers uh, with William here in a bit. Good football weekend for Mississippi schools for the most part. Uh, my my Southern Eagles, uh, not not quite as good uh, this weekend against Troy. And I say my, I'm an Ole Miss fan, uh, but I've got a nephew that plays safety at USM. And so I've I've become, at least while he's in school, a Southern Eagle. Um, they struggled a little bit against Troy, which is a good football team um, at Troy. But, but Ole Miss and State both took care of business. You know, and I know you probably already talked about this, but here's my opportunity to talk about Ole Miss for the first half looked like it was not going to take care of business. Second half, figured it
4: out. Right? It seems to be their M.O. this season. They can't quite seem to put together a four-quarter game.
2: Yeah, but normally it's the first half that they rock out, and the second half they kind of limp across the finish line. This week looked really bad uh, in the first half, and in the second half just went lights out, blazing speed, scored 28 points, I think, in the third quarter, um, and and really took control of that game. State also looked very good this weekend against an Arkansas team that didn't have K.J. Jefferson, but still looked really good. It's going to be one heck of an egg bowl this year, or at least it, it is looking that way. Both teams have got some hard games coming up, though. It
4: depends on how it plays out, but it could be an
2: impactful egg bowl. It could be. It could be. Um, you know, Ole Miss plays Auburn this week conventional wisdom says that shouldn't be a tough game but conventional wisdom also said that the first half against Vandy shouldn't have been tough so we'll see and then State's got a I think a tougher challenge in Kentucky a team that Ole Miss just barely beat at home uh, that should be a fun challenge for them so um, you know you talk about fall and all the fun stuff to do that's certainly top of mind for me when weekend starts, game day comes on early in the morning and we get rolling um, the market at least early today was not doing super hot. I don't know how it's doing right now. Right now you looking at it.
4: Let's see what the latest update is. Oh, mm. the
2: Dallas bounced back. We we've, we've at least got uh the big blue chip boys doing a little bit better this morning up 129 points give or take. Yeah. Nasdaq is down. Man, the Nasdaq the entire market is taking a beating. But if you're invested in in tech and innovation, uh, you have taken a, an especially large beating uh, this year. And, and candidly, that's a lot of portfolios. That's a lot of retirements. Um, you know, probably something that's not being considered right now is that's also a lot of pension plans that are tied up in the market. Um, so, I mean, we think about 401Ks and private retirements, but but state pension plans and local pension plans as well uh tied up in the market right now. And it has certainly uh, been a painful, painful 2022 uh 2021 we had this massive run-up and it has come down uh equally fast if not faster in 22 um nasdaq i think yesterday hit a two-year low so not great jamie diamond and others uh, of course jamie Dimon is uh, jp morgan ceo somebody that's kind of looked at as a an elder statesman if you will in the financial industry at this point his word is taken very seriously um you know, sounded some alarms yesterday about the, the depth of the recession that could potentially come. Um, of course, if you subscribe to previous definitions of a recession, we are already in one. We've had two quarters of contraction in our economy. Um, all indications is that things are about to, to get worse,
4: unfortunately. Happy Tuesday. Sorry. at least PayPal's off the bottom of what they were. Yeah, they lost ten percent. Now they've only lost just under nine percent.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're living in this ridiculous era when a stock can lose ten or fifteen percent in a day, um, and several of those sort of high flyers or what were high flyers have certainly have certainly start, started to drop um, now. And of course, you know, over the weekend there was also a lot of talk around Russia. Um, did you follow that with the Kerch Bridge?
4: Yeah, and the uh the conspiracy theories that spawned from it due to the fog of war and all the amateur analysis of the surveillance footage of the explosion and yeah.
2: So I, I did not follow the conspiracy side of this. Are people saying that Russia blew up its own bridge? That's
4: one part of it, yeah. There's another part that believes America somehow was involved. In in blowing up the Kirk yeah. Bridge?
2: So um A few years back, uh, Vladimir Putin invested billions of dollars, essentially, building a bridge to connect Crimea with Russia. Over the weekend, it was bombed by someone. Um, I think most people who are rational thinkers might think it's someone who is uh, either associated with Ukraine or um, an ally of Ukraine. Um, And the end result of that, though, has been indiscriminate bombing of civilians by Russia and retaliation.
4: A bridge is strategic. A child's playground is not.
2: Correct. And and, and the bridge is is attacking a supply chain, effectively, right? Yeah, going after civilians the way they are indiscriminately with with missiles uh, in Russia shows just how unhinged Vladimir Putin is and how things are escalating. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert, Russ Latino, guest hosting today. We will be back momentarily.
3: Your next deal on wheels is at Pinnacle Motors. Head on over to Highway 471 at Baker Lane and Vine Street in Brandon for that no-hassle experience on your next pre-owned car, truck, or SUV. Classics from a 57 Chevy to a Corvette? We have those, too. And grab that trailer to pull that four-wheeler, ATV, or tractor as well. Financing, warranties, and we'll buy your vehicle, too. Pinnacle Motors is the place for you. Visit us online at PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. That's PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. Quality vehicles, affordable prices. Pinnacle Motors.
5: Mm -hmm.
6: Jenny King. The King of Clean. How do you and your staff get things done? Teamwork. When a team works together, they can do anything. That's why all of us at Janny King, the King of Clean, are excited to team up with you. At Janny King, our team has been working together for over 35 years, cleaning your places for work, education, medical attention, eagery, stadiums, and worship. Let our team help your team. Go to JanieKingCleans.com and trust your clean to the king. That's JanieKingCleans.com. Janny King, the King of Clean. How can R.J. Young help you with digital communications, managed IT services, business process outsourcing, and office equipment and technology? R.J. Young is your source for the technology solutions that power your business. For more information and a quick demo of The Modern Office and how it's increasing efficiency and bottom lines of businesses across the country, visit us at themodernoffice.com.
9: This is Ben Shapiro reminding you to listen to The Ben Shapiro Show weekday nights starting at 9 p.m. here on 97.3 Super Talk Jackson.
0: Middays with Gerard G. What? This what?
10: Yeah. is yeah. so awesome.
0: On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: You can shake an apple.
2: Tree shake Welcome back, Mississippi, to Middays with Gerard Gibbert, Russ Latino, guest hosting today for Gerard. Will Gerard be back tomorrow? Right I now? I do believe. Excellent, excellent. We're coming at you live from the Element Wealth Studio. Uh, we were talking about the stock market and all the volatility in the stock market right now. If you're thinking about or planning for retirement, and if you're looking for a plan, You can go see our friends at Element Wealth. Go to MyElementWealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. If you want to be a part of the conversation today, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. We are joined now by William T. McKinley. From the Mystery Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks, Mr. McKinley, thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here, Russ. I like your setting, man. That looks like you've done a few interviews there.
11: <laughs> I've done more than one here. It's, uh, it's kind of nice to be able to not have to make a long drive to do this. The virtual world is a it's a different arena we live in these days. No, no doubt. Um well look Rhino and I were discussing this
2: uh, on air a little bit ago um who in your family was just a huge William McKinley uh fan as as a president
11: <laughs> so uh, according to my grandfather uh, my great great grandfather's brother was president William McKinley so as it comes down the line uh, he, I would have been uh, I'm direct lineage there uh, he would've been my third great uncle Oh, that's awesome, man! Very cool. And have have you passed? Yeah, that but year? I had zero aspirations for Zero, no, not one. I, I do not want to be in politics. I, I figured that we were going to do an announcement today.
2: Negative. <laughs> well, look let's let's get into uh, let's move away from politics for a little bit. It's fall people don't necessarily want to talk about politics 100 percent of the time Uh, sometimes people want to actually enjoy themselves Um, that includes things like football which we've just been discussing but it also includes for a huge percentage of mississippi and something that's been passed down from generation to generation climbing up in a deer stand Um, and so we wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about um, you know what's the same from from previous deer seasons what's changed what people should be looking uh toward uh as as the gun season approaches we're already in bow season um but i wanted mm-hmm. to start by asking you how did the uh how did the velvet season go
12: it
11: was a success for us uh it was you know it Hunters showed that they're willing to mandatory report their harvest. That was a big plus. This was our first uh, foot in the door at mandatory reporting. And, you know, we're the only state in the game that doesn't have some type of mandatory reporting system for big game harvest. So it showed that our hunters are willing to do that. We had uh, the count I saw was 285 deer were reported for the weekend. And so it was a good harvest. It was some really nice bucks harvested. Um, Overall, it was a success. And this is the
2: first
11: first year that
2: we've done the velvet buck season, right? There was a law passed coming out of this legislative session?
11: That is correct. And And this season included a license that had to be purchased. It was mandatory reporting, and it was mandatory CWD sampling.
2: And so you said 285 that got harvested and, and reported then?
11: Correct.
2: And bow season started
11: October 1, right? It did and the state uh, the Southeast deer management Unit will open up on the fifteenth so this coming Saturday, but the majority of the state, yes, bow season is is ongoing right now, and here's some good reports Deer have been moving quite well
2: well, talk to me a little bit about sort of what you 've seen you 've been in this game for a long time what What are the deer populations looking like across the state? Obviously, I know it 's divided into regions. Are, are we at a point, because I'll tell you, where I live, nobody hunts, but, man, the deer are, are around in, in plenty. Uh, are we at a point where we're trying to, to make it so that more deer are getting harvested? Uh, what's the population look like across the state?
11: So the, our method of trying to estimate the deer population is called population reconstruction, and we actually take how many deer harvested, how old they were, and kind of go and look at, well, They had to be here a few years ago. So you can imagine they don't stand still and get counted very very easily. So with those numbers though, we had some really low harvest back in 17 and 18 because of some reduced antlerless regulations. People couldn't harvest as many antlerless deer. Our harvest numbers dropped. The herd appears to be increasing and increasing fairly rapidly right now. Um, We had, Two hundred and sixty-eight thousand deer harvested last year, according to our estimate, by licensed hunters. So, well over three hundred thousand, well, we estimate across the state, were taken last year. And one of the be- one of the great things is we saw more hunters out there last year. Uh, but we still need more deer taken. We we offer a bag limit in most of the state of eight deer, three bucks, and five does. And the average hunter is only shooting, harvesting about one and a half deer. So we and, encourage hunters, take a few more deer. And, and part of that is
2: that you've got fewer people now getting, getting in the stands, even though in Mississippi it's still a tradition. Across the country we're seeing fewer and fewer hunters. Is it, I mean, is is that right?
11: Yes, Russ, you are correct. I uh, was recently at a meeting in Kansas with the Midwestern and Southeastern deer coordinators my equivalent throughout that port, these two regions of the country that was one of our biggest topics is that the number of deer in the nation it's dropping in Mississippi we saw a bump up the past couple of years that's a good thing but um overall numbers of deer tend to be increasing and number of hunters tend to be on a slow decrease nationwide that's not a good combination we have to control this deer population
2: what do you what do you attribute the bump in mississippi versus the rest of the nation to is it just people were tired of being you know Cloistered because of COVID, so they got out and and did something? Or is it because you guys have kind of changed the approach for youth hunters? I know the, the regulations associated with youth hunting allow for a little bit more leeway in terms of what they can bag and when they can bag it.
11: Yes, and I, I think the answer to your question is all of the above, plus... All uh, prices of, of meat went up and people were able to gain a deer from the freezer and put one in the freezer. I think factor all those, every bit of that, as people begin to see more deer, it tends to lead people to go out and a few more people to go out and hunt. So uh, with the deer population increasing, more hunters hit the woods. You know, for, for
2: several years running, we've been talking about uh, CWD. And I wonder, one, if you couldn't give kind of an update on is the problem being kept in control? Is it getting worse? What should hunters know as they're, they're thinking about, okay, well, I just harvested a really nice buck and now I got to figure out what to do with it. You guys required with the velvet bucks, you know, mandatory CWD testing. Is that something that you think, um, I guess I'm just asking, what is the trajectory of the disease, what are the risks, and what are you advising
11: hunters to do? So, uh, we could spend 30 minutes on this, Russ. I'm going to condense it as much as possible. Uh, uh, We do encourage hunters to get their deer sampled. And no matter where in the state, the disease continues to spread. Uh, it was only mandatory sampling during that window of the velvet season. No other portion of the season is, but we encourage hunters to get them sampled. We're finding positives outside of the previous year's positives every year. The disease is steadily spreading out, and there are portions of the state where we don't have enough sampling to rule the disease out. I'll point out the extreme southeastern portion of the state. You know, we, we don't have a lot of samples from those counties, so we can't say if it's there or not. Uh, but we know it is continuing to spread, and we're taking measures to try to limit that spread. Uh, we offer some incentives for hunters in the CWD zones and try to – the best way to slow the disease's spread is to remove a positive deer before it spreads it to another deer and place to find a positive deer. It's where you've already found a positive deer. So we encourage those hunters to take more deer. William, can you stick around for another segment and
2: talk a little bit more about CWD, where people can go to get samples uh, done, and then let's talk a little bit about fall turkey season, too, when we come back. Does that work?
11: Yes, sir. Sounds great.
2: Very good. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbard. I'm your guest host, Russ Latino, filling in for Gerard today, coming at you from the Element Well Studio. We'll be back in just a moment.
3: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, sunny conditions, high near 84. Tonight, partly cloudy, low around 60. Your Wednesday rolls in, a 30% chance of rain, mostly sunny, high near 85. Wednesday evening, a slight chance of rain, low around 64. And for your Thursday, sunny skies, high near 82. This weather brought to you by our friends at Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile since 1871. For all your deer camp needs, stop by today. Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton.
6: you mind your own business.
7: Mind my own business? What's that supposed to mean?
6: No, I was just thinking about all of the news of tax changes, insurance changes, regulations that are being passed down to business owners. I don't have the time to keep growing and to keep up with changing payroll
13: regulations.
5: I know. It seems like all I do is handle employee-related problems.
6: You know, I hear PeopleEase can help.
5: How can they help?
6: PeopleEase can handle our payroll, taxes, employee benefits, and workers' compensation. They even offer an affordable and customizable 401k program and a 24-7 online human
16: In life and in business, one thing is certain, change. That's why Pillium
3: Corporation is ready to keep you ahead of the curve on ever-evolving technology, critical for your company's security and growth.
17: To that end, the Pillium team offers IT support and security and forensics, plus cloud services and networking, mobile communications, body cams, and in-car video systems, and real-time crime center technology.
3: Visit us at Pillium.com.
17: Smart people, smart business, smart solutions.
18: I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Unusually low water levels on the lower Mississippi River are creating barge backlogs. Austin Golding with Golding Barge Line told us traffic is moving,
16: but it's slow. Within the last two weeks, we had over 1,500 barges. Right here in Vicksburg, waiting to go northbound and another 1,000 barges above this closure, waiting to come southbound.
18: And delays in the supply chain result in higher prices.
16: It's going to take more boats and more barges, and that that's going to raise costs. It's also going to eat into the margin for a lot of people moving their products southbound for export, especially in the ag world. Uh, we're seeing a lot of delay uh, getting grain out of the fields and getting the harvest southbound right here in the Delta, all the way up into the upper and into the Ohio Valley. So uh, less barges uh, means a lot more time and a lot more expense to get this stuff to market.
18: Much of the region surrounding the river is abnormally dry, and in some areas they're experiencing severe drought.
6: Digital banking from the Citizens Bank is great. If you're like me, eh, shall we say night person. With our secure online banking and mobile app, you can bank on your own time. With a touch of the screen, you can pay bills... Make deposits, even transfer funds on the fly. See digital banking in a new light, just not sunlight. (laughs) Download the app today. The Citizens Bank, member of DIC.
7: Hey, it's Richard Cross from Sports Talk Mississippi. Every day, be sure to catch the college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Speaking of Ford, greatness starts with the 2023 Ford F-150. Winning requires the right game plan, like the impressive towing and payload you will only find in the 2023 Ford F-150 truck. No wonder Ford F-Series are America's best-selling trucks 45 years straight. Visit your local Mississippi Ford dealer or buyfordnow.com for details. And don't miss the college football fix.
2: Welcome back to Middays with Gerard Gibbert, guest hosting today, Russell Tino. Glad to be with you today. Mississippi, hope you're doing well. Coming at you live from the Element Wealth studio. If you want to text a question for our guest, you can do so at the C Spire Text Line, 601-879-4395. We are talking to William T. McKinley at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife Fisheries and Parks before we went to break. We were talking about uh, CWD, uh, chronic wasting disease, and how that is spreading uh, in deer populations in areas that previously uh, we weren't seeing deer that were testing positive. Uh, We are seeing some of that now. Uh, And then in some areas, uh, William was telling us essentially that um, because samples are not really being taken, we really don't know. Whether or not those are those are problem areas, but the state has made it so that it is relatively easy to sample uh, a deer that's been harvested right for CWD.
11: Yes, uh, we operate sixty-three drop-off freezers, and those they're simply chest freezers scattered out across the state. And uh, not every county has one, but every county either has one or touches a county with one. And a hunter can just drop the head of the deer they harvest. Uh, Everything's provided there, garbage bags, zip ties, a card to fill out. They drop it in and they tear the receipt off the card. We clean these freezers out every Monday. Uh, We thaw them, remove the sample. We take the lymph nodes from under the chin. And those get sent to Jackson and make it to the lab by Thursday of each week. So we start getting results back the following week. So we tell hunters to give it a couple of weeks, but on low volume times, it may be sooner than that. We're also working with almost 70 taxidermists across the state. And say you harvest a buck that you want to get mounted, you can take it to one of these taxidermists. They're all listed on our website, as are all the drop-off freezers. Leave it with that taxidermist, and that taxidermist will pull the sample and turn it in to us.
2: So you've made it relatively easy. I I think um, that makes a ton of sense. Talk to me a little bit. um, We were talking before break about uh, youth hunting and the fact that Mississippi, in, in some ways, experienced a bump in the number of hunters over the last couple of years compared to a lot of states and large swaths of the country that have really seen a, a decrease in the number of people who are climbing up into stands. Mm-hmm. What what are those youth programs that are out there that are aimed at encouraging or sort of fostering a new generation of hunters?
10: So
11: i got I got to give a big thumbs up to our Hunter Head program. That's made up of both department personnel and non-departmental personnel of training thousands of, of people, mostly youth, but not all youth, uh, every year in getting their hunter education program, that art. Um, also, there are numerous programs by other entities out there uh, not associated with, are associated with us, but not through the department such as through the Foundation for Wildlife Fishers and Barts and other nonprofits out there that are getting setting up weekends uh, to be able to get kids, whether it be our youth squirrel hunt, whether it be youth waterfowl camps, uh, numerous differences out there. There are also a lot of people out there these days that are looking. You know, a lot of the research says now it's very important to get kids involved, but it's also very important to get 20 and 30 year old people involved in hunting. Many people say the reason they don't go hunting is because no one ever asked them to go. And um, I encourage the listeners out there if you've got someone, a coworker, a friend, and you're a hunter, Ask them to go with you. Take them hunting and get them involved in it. And uh, the beauty with that is, you teach a person that's twenty five years old how to hunt. They can go hunting on their own. You teach a kid, and they have to wait till they're old enough to drive before they can go on their own. So uh, I encourage hunters get out there and do the sport. So we mentioned earlier that we're
2: already in bow season. Uh, when does youth season start? Mm-hmm.
11: So youth season is, i got to look at the exact date to have that off my head, shouldn't I? But it is the first weekend in November, and that will be November 5th is when youth season will begin. Okay. And youth may hunt with a rifle, a centerfire rifle, starting that day.
2: And then, and maybe if you don't mind, give us a sense of when the other important dates are that are coming up. And and if you don't have it off the top of your head, that's fine
11: too. Um, but I know you oh, know I have it right here. So there you go. Okay. Um, the Monday following youth season, November seventh through November eighteenth, is a primitive weapon antlerless only hunt. We started a few years ago, bearing and trying to get more antlerless deer uh, off the ground early. And then the gun season opener actually begins uh, November nineteenth and it's with dogs and then primitive will kick in. Bottom line, private land hunters can start using a center fire rifle on November nineteenth and use either a per fire through January thirty first or february fifteenth, depending on which deer management unit they're in
2: so i've gotten a couple of questions on the c Spire text line for you if you don't mind um one of them sure. es- essentially asked the question william and brandon is there any chance of cross-contamination in the freezers
11: uh no oh uh, because we're actually removing the lymph node from the deer And the lymph node, when it makes it to the lab, I've went to the lab, uh, all of our samples are run at the MSU vet diagnostic Laurel. Once again, a big thumbs up to them. We take those, they take the lymph nodes and they go inside the lymph node and cut a piece of tissue that roughly equals the size of a pencil eraser. So the cross-contamination is virtually non-existent for the type testing we're using.
2: Okay, another question that I got was um, from someone who is over the age or or about to be 65. It says that he was told that he did not have to purchase a license to hunt fish, saltwater fish, crab, or shrimp recreationally. Is that true?
11: Hunters 65, or excuse me, adults 65 and over, once you turn 65, you're no longer required to purchase a hunting and fishing license in Mississippi. But I'm going to throw out there, we offer a $5 senior exempt license that will let us continue to hunt hunter and know that they're out there and draw the federal aid money from the Pittman-Robertson Act, from the sale of guns and ammo that is very important to our agency and, and us managing wildlife for them. So that $5 license will let us count them for many more years. So I encourage that, but it's not required.
2: Another question that we've gotten, uh, and this is from Itawamba County, William. Uh, They're looking for a hunter's ed program for a 16-year-old. You may not know one off the top of your head, but if there are resources, if somebody's listening who would like to get their child signed up into hunter's ed anywhere in the state, is there a website people can go
11: to? Absolutely. Go to mdwfp.com. Uh, on that website they can then go through the hunter ed classes find one that is near them and be able to to look one up from there and see what's coming up in the near future
2: and then the the last one that jumps out at me is our our buddy thomas and greenwood uh, poses more a thought than a question but i'll get you to respond to it and he says essentially that hunters are scared of delivering samples because uh, they don't want to be the the hunter that gets hunting shut down in their county
11: How would you respond to that? That we haven't shut down hunting in a county at all. In fact, we have encouraged more hunting, and in the CWD zone, we've actually uh, put in one year, we did an extra week. We've increased bag limit in the North Mississippi, North Central Deer Management Unit, uh, where CWD is, is the highest prevalence, by the way. One in six bucks in Benton County, Mississippi, tested positive last season, uh, but we've increased the bag limit. That is directly opposite of what we would do. We want hunters to harvest more deer uh, in the CWD areas. Not, we don't want to stop hunting. And that's good information.
2: So that fear is not well grounded at all. On on the freezers, um, not at all. Can can people find the locations of those freezers on the the website as well?
11: Yes, MDWFP.com. Go to our C page. All the freezers are listed there. All the taxidermists that participate with us are listed there, and their phone number by county. So if someone's looking for one to get their deer sampled, all of that info, plus a wealth of information on CWD, is there. We are uh,
2: about out of time, but really quickly, uh, turkey season is also right around the corner. Uh, What are you guys expecting there?
11: Well, I want to point out that the fall turkey season is only for 24 counties, and they have to pre-apply and get a permit and get tags. So... Don't don't read into this that you can just decide tomorrow on Saturday you can go turkey hunting. You have to have done a little forethought on this and got the tags. Or you may meet one of our conservation officers in a not positive light. And so, you, you uh, can also, uh, but for those hunters. 100-
2: yeah, Go you can ahead. also find those counties on your website. I I was looking at them this morning. So, yes. William, appreciate you being on. Good information as people get ready uh, to get out, and we want more people to get out and get active and start harvesting uh, these animals. It's a, a Mississippi pastime, if you will. You've been listening to Midday's with Gerard Gibbert, Russell Tino guest hosting from the Element Well Studio. We'll be back in just a moment. It's the
5: Time is gone. The song is over.
3: Hey, this is Bob, and if you're like me, you like dealing with local people. Majestic Metals was founded in Mississippi in 1954 and are headquartered right in Gluckstadt. For complete metal building systems and steel roofing and siding, call the hometown folks. Majestic Metals, 800-647-8540 or online at MajesticMetalsINC.com.
7: Don't just get a job, get a career with great salary and benefits. The Mississippi Department of Corrections has just increased your salary by 10%. If you qualify, you can be a corporal, sergeant, captain, or major, with base salaries ranging from over 36000 to over Forty seven thousand dollars. Add to that retirement medical benefit package is up to seventeen thousand more. All with paid on the job training not far from where you live. Visit MDOCMS.gov to apply today. That's MDOC.ms.gov.
9: Insulated glass Plexiglass Commercial storefronts And heavy equipment glass Venable glass They'll come out And give you a free estimate Tune in this Saturday morning from 8 till 10 for Weekend Gardening, where garden mama Nellie Neal will tackle all your gardening questions. Weekend Gardening, brought to you in part by The Tractor Store, your local Mahindra dealer, The Tractor Store, Highway 49
12: South in Richland. This is the opening agri-market report. The opening of the New York Cotton Exchange, December cotton was down 37 to 87.85. March cotton was down 80 to 85.86. The open the Chicago Board of Trade November soybeans were up three cents, thirteen seventy-seven per bushel. January soybeans were up three and a quarter to thirteen eighty-nine per bushel. December corn was down four and a quarter to six ninety-four per bushel. March corn was down a nickel to six ninety-nine and three quarters per bushel. The Mercantile, December live cattle was up ninety to one forty-seven ninety. February live cattle was up sixty-seven to one fifty-one forty-two. November feeders up one ninety-five to one seventy-four. 482 January feeders up 125 to 17552 and at the open the Dow Jones up 25 points 29227 I'm Dixon Williams and this is Super Talk Mississippi Agri News Network
14: Have you ever heard the expression beans are beans if you were in this room you wouldn't agree I'm in an area called trade integration at Pioneer What's the trait being integrated? The Enlist E3 trait for soybeans. And what's it being integrated with? Ah, that's the really big news. The Enlist E3 trait is now integrated with Pioneer's own exclusive elite genetics. It's called Pioneer brand A-Series Enlist E3 Soybeans. And there's no other soybean in the business like it. It has all the advantages of being part of a superior weed control system, similar to other soybeans. What those other soybeans don't have is exclusive Pioneer genetics that's designed for high-yield potential and strong defensive traits. So at first glance, yes, beans are beans. They may all look the same, but their differences show up at harvest. Pioneer brand A-Series and List E3 soybeans like no other.
7: Folks to the Capital City metro area. Love to have you join me tomorrow morning, 6 to 9, Gallo Show. We'll start your day the informed way. Super Talk Mississippi 97.3. Come on. Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert.
8: All right,
0: we are back. On Super Talk Mississippi.
6: Wow.
2: Back to Middays with Gerard Gibber. Gerard is out today, but we'll be back tomorrow. For those of you just hankering for the G-Man, he's coming back. Russell Tino, guest host today. Glad to be here with you. Glad to be with Rhino in the the booth there. Great conversation with William William McKinley just now um, about deer hunting season, which is upon us. Um, and I know that's an, an exciting thing for many, many Mississippians. We're coming at you live from the Element Wealth Studio. If you're thinking about uh, or planning retirement, go visit our friends at Element Wealth, myelementwealth.com, or call 601-957-6006. We've got high school football on the Super Talk these days, quite a good bit of it. So if you want to listen to a game, virtually any station in the state that is a Supertalk station on a Friday night is going to be covering a local game. You can also stream tons of games and get up-to-minute scores from across the entire state by going to supertalk.fm backslash high school. And then they've got the scoreboard preview show at 6 p.m. on Fridays, uh, and a scoreboard show again, the Southern Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show at 10 p.m. on Friday night. So... Lots of good football going on, not just the college version that Rhino and I talked about, but also high school football. My kids have actually gotten into high school football, which is kind of neat to see. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I was uh, scrolling through uh, MSNBC this morning because I like to punish myself. Um, you know, in, in reality, I like to know what people who think differently than I do are saying. And how they're thinking about things. But this one jumped out at me. Um, The headline Americans are foolishly ignoring the threat of a debt crisis. Now, accurate, yes, but interesting coming from MSNBC, a station that has largely towed it the water of a perspective that says we can spend without concern. We can run up deficits without concerns. The national debt can get much, much larger. Who cares? These are people that have largely been toting the idea of the modern monetary theory. If you've never heard of that, um, the modern monetary theory is essentially this idea that deficits don't matter. And so all of a sudden, they're saying, oh wait, the debt actually matters. Now, it's frustrating, because if you read the article, it almost is like they've stumbled upon a revelation, that they're telling people something that they've never heard before. And in reality, they've been denying this point of view and really kind of making fun of and ridiculing this point of view for multiple decades now um, you know people like me have been seen as the sky is falling you know you're you're concerned over nothing you're radical about the size of government and all of a sudden now the chickens are coming home to roost and even people like jason Furman, who was president obama's Uh, Chief Economic Advisor Larry Summers, who was also an Economic Advisor for President Obama, are sounding considerable alarms about the economic situation that we find ourselves in as a country. And it comes at a time when interest rates are going through the roof. It comes at a time where we can't bring down inflation. It comes at a time when the stock market is crashing we are, are living in perilous economic times, and you combine that with everything that's going on in the world, whether you're talking about Russia and Ukraine or China and Taiwan or even some of the movements that we've seen out of Iran, uh, as they are you know, more agitated from sanctions that have been placed on them, there is a, a moment of reckoning that is coming, and it is somewhat frustrating when people who have been in denial for decades are suddenly like, no one saw this coming. you know. And the reality is, much like inflation, there are plenty of people who saw this coming. $31 trillion in national debt right now, with interest rates going up, essentially we can't pay for our debt service. And that's a significant problem long-term for our country. It will affect the quality of lives for not only people who are my age or older, but really it's going to affect the quality of life and the opportunities that are available uh, for our children and our grandchildren moving forward. And it is unfortunate that we allowed it to get to this point. We'll dig into that a little bit more when we come back from break. You're listening to Russell Tino, guest hosting for Gerard Gibbard on Midday's from the Element Well Studio. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: To WFMN Flora Jackson. Super Talk Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at baroniestreepros.com.
19: Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. We're four weeks from election day in Ohio a Senate debate between Republican J.D. Vance and House Democrat Tim
5: Ryan. He wants to kill and confront what is it the MAGA movement Tim? That's not exactly the rhetoric of a unifier
13: movement. Kill and confront the extremist movement of which J.D. Vance unfortunately
19: is a part of. Leaving the Democratic Party former Hawaii Congresswoman and 2020 presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard.
14: I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness.
19: She did not say whether she'll join the Republican Party. G7 leaders, including President Biden, spoke again with Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky this morning, jointly in a statement reaffirming their support for Ukraine's fight against Russia. America's listening to Fox News. Fox News.
7: Find new roads.
18: I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Americans are feeling the pinch of 40 year high inflation. Jim Leggett, a professor of economics at Mississippi State University, talked about how we got here.
20: We spent $6 trillion we didn't have, and you lost a million people. I mean, let's don't forget that. You lose a million people, and for whatever reason, about 1.5% of the workforce has fallen out of the workforce. And you get the impression that uh, we're not really ready to face the answer. When you spend a bunch of money you don't have it, and build yeah. a bunch of money you don't have, it, it never, never ends well. One of the books I have read talks about the periods of big government debt. He debt, used the fancy word sovereign debt. Always ends in tears.
18: The rising cost of living is causing more people to fall behind. 32% of adults have paid a bill late in the past six months. 61% of them said it's because they didn't have the money to cover the cost. The state unemployment rate held steady at 3.6% in August. Over the past 12 months, Mississippi added 11,800 jobs and the unemployment rate fell by 1.7 percentage points from 5.3%. The Powerball jackpot keeps growing. Fox's Carmen Roberts reports.
6: The Powerball jackpot rolls over to an estimated $420 million. After no one matched all six numbers Monday night, but check your tickets, there were still some big winners. Three lucky players who bought tickets in Florida, Illinois, and Minnesota matched enough numbers to rake in $1 million each. And one ticket sold in Iowa is worth $2 million. The next Powerball drawing is Wednesday night.
18: The Mega Millions is worth an estimated $445 million. That drawing is coming up tonight. And the Mississippi Match 5 jackpot for tonight's drawing is at 202000 Touchdown!
6: Saturdays in ceasefire country are sacred. Just ask the Jackson family. Dad's watched every one of his alma mater's games. But now that his daughter's graduated from her school, she doesn't want to miss her team either. Luckily, they've got fanatically fast Seaspire fiber that lets them both stream at the same time with bandwidth powerful enough to unite a house divided.
15: Oh, come on!
5: Welcome to Fiber Country, where champions reign. Visit Seaspire.com slash fiber for details.
7: Special invitation to join us weekday morning, 6 09. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis, all right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines
0: and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back, Mississippi, to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. I'm your guest host, Russell Tino, today, filling in for Gerard. Gerard will be back tomorrow, Rhino, kicking some good music from the booth. Although my buddy Bill Billingsley just texted that you got to get some Come On Eileen before I get out of there. This guy knows me. I like that stuff. No cheesy 80s pop. It speaks to me on a nostalgic level. I mean, it can be argued that music peaked in the 80s. I think it could be argued well, but that's probably because both of us are children of the
4: 80s, if I had to guess. I mean, I was born about halfway through, and I barely remember them, but they did have a big impact on me.
2: There's something about the beard that makes you look older, though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Coming at you from the Element Well Studio, we were talking before the break about the fact that you've got people like Jason Furman, who was an Obama White House insider, Larry Summers, who was with President Obama as well, who are now sounding significant alarms about our economy, and in an MSNBC piece that I found this morning, um, really sounding an alarm about the national debt, which is at thirty-one trillion dollars. And, and some of what we were talking about is just sort of the hypocrisy of suddenly recognizing that having thirty-plus trillion dollars in debt is a bad thing for our country it destabilizes our country from a national security perspective it makes us more reliant on foreign governments from a future perspective it means that tax increases will have to occur at some point current debt is future tax increase and so we're we're going to get government that grows bigger and bigger which means fewer opportunities in the private sector means fewer opportunities for our children and the recipe for what made this country Successful in the first place uh, is slowly being eroded. Because if you look at our history, what made this country successful in the first place was a relatively light touch government that believed that individuals should have the freedom to use their skills and their effort to go out and accomplish something, to use their intelligence and their work ethic to go out and accomplish something. And that if they accomplished something that was worth anything, that people would pay them for it. And that's the nature of a market economy, where people say, you know what, Russ, the service that you're producing is worth money to me, so I'm going to pay you for it. Or the product that you're producing is worth money to me, so I'm going to pay you for it. And by that, I benefit, and the person who buys the service benefits, because they did it voluntarily. They didn't have to. They did it because they decided there was value for them. And that's how our economy has grown. That's how we've grown into the most prosperous nation in the history of the free world. It's how we've grown to have opportunities and technologies that previous generations couldn't have possibly dreamed of. The poorest person in America has access to technology that makes life better that John D. Rockefeller didn't have.
4: Oh, yeah. The the poorest person in America has more going for them than some kings did. Just before World War One. Well,
2: I mean, for thousands of years, sort of the modus operandi was generational poverty, right? Abject poverty. People lived in poverty. They died early. They weren't educated. And our system of government, of light touch government, that allowed people the freedom to thrive and survive on their own, effectively created the most prosperous nation in the in the world. Not only in the world, but in human history. And we're slowly eroding it. We're slowly undoing all of the, the ingredients to the recipe that made us successful. And it's a little frustrating when suddenly a light bulb goes off for Jason Furman and he says, holy cow, the debt matters. When for 20 years conservatives have been saying, look, at some level we need to restore fiscal responsibility in the way that we budget. We need to consider whether or not it's government's role to interact with and control every aspect of our economy and our lives, and all of a sudden you've got people who have been saying, you guys are a bunch of worry warts, you guys are overthinking this, who are suddenly coming out and sounding alarms and acting like they've, they've discovered something. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Greek mythology. You know, in Greek mythology, Cassandra, the priestess of, of Troy, um, we could predict the future, but literally no one would listen to her, right? And so for a long time, conservatives have kind of been in that, that place where they can predict the future, they see what's coming, it's easy from an economic standpoint, and yet no one will listen. And we saw this with inflation. The conversation around inflation, early on, there were people who were saying, Look, we're, we're in dangerous territory if what we do is shut down our economy and simultaneously crank up the printing presses, because that is the, the textbook definition of what leads to inflation. And instead, Jerome Powell said it's going to be transitory. Um, just on down the line, every major economist that gets put forward as mainstream said, no, this isn't really a risk. This isn't a risk. And then all of a sudden, when it became apparent that it wasn't transitory, and that it was climbing, and that we were struggling to bring it down, then all of a sudden, it's like, well, nobody could have seen this coming. And it is mind-numbingly frustrating for someone to say that. Uh, I I occasionally will, will repost a social media post that I did actually in 2020, where I basically said, the comparison to the 1970s is staggering right now. And we're going to see over the next three years serious inflation, and this was in 2020. This is before the American Rescue Plan, and it wasn't because I was some sort of savant. It's because if you were willing to look, the writing was on the wall, and I just—I'll explain what I mean by that briefly. So I wasn't alive in the 1970s. We now know that Rhino wasn't alive in the 1970s. Um, But I know enough about the period from study to know what happened economically there. And it really was the period that gave Milton Friedman his widest berth and his platform to explain conservative economics, if you will. But essentially in the 70s, you had what economists call a supply shock. And a supply shock is that you've reduced the amount of productivity. The same level of services and goods are no longer, no, no longer available to people who want to buy them, okay? The other side of that is something called a demand shock. And a demand shock is where you've got the same level of goods and services being produced, but there's so much money in the system and so many people who want to buy those things that it creates the same problem. So in the 70s, it started as a supply shock because of our oil problems. Multiple oil embargoes with the Middle East... Um, and obviously, anytime you're talking about oil and gas, it affects the entire economy. So the supply shock with oil and gas created a supply shock across our economy. At the same time, the way that the Carter administration attempted to address that was by increasing the amount of government spending. So they increased the money supply dramatically over the period of a decade. And the end result was predictable was very 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 high inflation because you had both a slowdown in the amount of stuff being produced and an increase in the availability of money to buy stuff and if you got a a little bit of something and a lot of people want it the end result is that little bit of something cost a heck of a lot of money and that's inflation in a nutshell so we ran really high inflation up until the point that reagan took office Volcker comes in, jacks up interest rates to close to 20%. And I talked about this on Friday. We just can't do that with a national debt level of $31 trillion. But he jacked up interest rates to 20% and killed inflation, but he also sent us into a recession. So fast forward to COVID, what do we do? We put $6 trillion in aid on the table, in direct aid on the table, whether that's the PPP program for businesses. Loans for businesses, direct payments, the enhanced unemployment benefits, all of those things we put six trillion dollars on the table that wasn't in the economy before. And at the same time, we give the Fed six trillion dollars in buying power to buy bonds, corporate bonds. And so really you got twelve trillion dollars at play being pumped into our economy. If you looked at the money supply increase that occurred in 2020, we had a 25% increase in the amount of dollars flowing through our country in 2020. That beats anything from the 1970s. Anything. And at the same time, it's, it's basically on level with what we spent for World War II, when we pumped up production for World War II. So you've got all this additional money and you're shuttering businesses And the end result, very predictably, super high inflation. I'm not saying we shouldn't have done anything for COVID. I'm saying we could have been a lot more targeted. It could have been a lot more temporary. And we wouldn't be in the same level of problem. And then Biden comes into office and what does he do? He sees a little bitty fire and he pours gasoline on it with the American Rescue Plan. And oh, by the way, this Inflation Reduction Act, $485 billion in new spending. Nothing to do. With reducing inflation. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert, Russell Tino, filling in. We'll be back in just a moment.
3: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, sunny conditions, high near 84. Tonight, partly cloudy, low around 60. Your Wednesday rolls in, a 30% chance of rain, mostly sunny, high near 85. Wednesday evening, a slight chance of rain, low around 64. And for your Thursday, sunny skies, high near 82. This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha Outboard dealer in Brandon.
0: Your window tent headquarters at Auto Trim Designs on Highway 80 in Pearl is now also your best source for the lasting protection of Expel paint protection film. Your car is too precious to fail to protect it from bugs, rocks, and road debris. For more info, go to autotrimdesigns.com.
13: Are you a hard worker? Are you dependable? Do you have a good attitude? Do you want to be part of a team? If so, the Black Label Bridge Builders at Key Constructors offers lead men and women purpose-driven career opportunities with on-the-job and outside training, leadership development, and benefits. To learn more about what it takes to be a Black Label bridge builder, please visit Key's website at keyconstructors.com. Please also follow at Key Constructors on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to see regular updates on the Black Label bridge builders.
5: He takes the pen, signs the dotted line. That's right, you'll always score big when you shop your home team. Mazda of Jackson, you'll feel like you just scored a touchdown with the deals you'll get on every new Mazda in stock. Get super low 1.9% financing for 36 months on new 2022 Mazda CX-9s. Get 2.49% financing for 36 months on new 2022 Mazda CX-5s. And get 2.49% financing for 36 months on the all-new 2023 Mazda CX-50. Buy a new Mazda, and Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. Shop right now at plus Mazda of you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile warranty. Have a trade-in? Bring it in. And we'll give you top dollar for it, even if you don't buy a vehicle from us. And remember, 100% credit approval is our number one goal. Come score big at Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our all-new state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. havejackson.com. With proof credit on
3: select model CD for details. ESI Supply.net. It's not if you're going to have a spill at your business or workplace, it's when. ESI Supply.net. pads by the bundle or roll. ESI Supply.net. boom products, oil gator, oil dry spill kits, and much more. ESI Supply.net. Take it from Scary Gary. If it can spill, it's gonna. ESI Supply, 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910, or online at ESI
0: Arm yourself with everything you need
3: to take on your day. Wake up with Gallo
0: tomorrow on 97.3 FM, Super Talk Mississippi. And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, now onto the real part.
12: Dino Mike
0: on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Back to Middays with Gerard Gibbert, Russell Tino guest hosting for you today, having a great conversation. We'll have a great conversation just a moment with Ilya Shapiro, Manhattan Institute, talking about the Supreme Court and all of its machinations as it begins a new term, taking on some very important cases. We were talking about this sort of slow realization, if you will, from some people on the left side of the political spectrum about how just perilous... Our economic situation is and how incredibly frustrating it is for those of us who have been saying hey guys something is coming like we need to take this seriously we need to stop running up the national debt we need to stop just printing money left and right we need to put a limit on what the fed can do um, and suddenly those of us who have been saying that for years people are looking around going well why didn't anybody warn us of this and that's that hair pulling moment here's a, a dangerous thing or something that will affect a lot of people who listen to this program is there's another one of those right around the corner and it's with medicare and social security both of those programs save some reforms are going to be insolvent soon i think medicare is 2026 which by the way is not that far away for medicare part a social security i believe is 2034 Um, At this point, it may have been pushed back to 2035, but it is tight, and I suspect once you get the cost of living adjustment factored in, that number will come up. So we're, we're much closer to the point of insolvency on both of those programs than what people may realize, but no one wants to hear it. It's like, only good news, only tell me good news, and then when the bad news occurs, why didn't anybody warn us of this? When there was still an opportunity to step off the train track, why didn't anybody say there's a locomotive coming your direction? Let's figure out how to stop it. And so I hope that we are developing leaders that not only like to own the other side and not only like to talk about the cultural outrage of the day or whatever is the 24-hour news cycle, but I hope we are developing leaders that have the courage to address some of these problems before the train hits us on the track because it is too late at that point. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Several comments from the last segment. One of the questions that got asked was, look, I agree with your statements about the way that free enterprise should work or the way that that free markets work, if you will. But what do you do when a market gets captured by a single corporation or a small group of corporations? And I guess they're talking about how big business has gotten for some businesses. But the truth is that a lot of that occurs not because of market forces. A lot of the businesses that get to the point that they would have what some people would view as near-monopoly force, get to that point because of this unholy alliance between government and business and effectively something called regulatory capture, where the biggest players in the world or in, in a given industry go to the government and they don't ask to be regulated less. They ask to be regulated more in a way that prevents competition. A great example of this and a simple example of this is taxi cabs in New York City, right? A taxi cab medallion now in New York City is a million bucks plus to be able to have a taxi cab, or at least it was pre-Uber, right? Because they had monopolized that industry, and the way they monopolized that industry was by making it really hard from a regulatory standpoint for people to compete. They, They shut out the Ubers and the Lyfts for a very long time, and lots of cities did this. And then finally when Uber and Lyft broke through because people were craving that technology and that innovation, the taxi cab companies cried hard. Oh, we've got all these regulations that are on us that aren't on Uber and Lyft. That's not fair, but if you go back and look at how those regulations came into existence in the first place, it was because taxi cab companies were trying to keep out competitors. So the solution is not to prevent competitors The solution is to reduce the regulations that favor entrenched businesses. And that is the biggest driver of this sort of too big um, concern that a lot of people have. The flip side of that is this. Some companies get really big because they do a really good job. They offer things that everybody wants. Walmart is really big. A lot of people like to cry about Walmart. But Walmart is really big. Because Walmart figured out that people like to shop in one location for convenience, and they liked really low prices, and at an economy of scales, they could provide that by working directly with vendors and selling high volume. That ends up being a huge benefit to lots of consumers. And so people choose to shop at Walmart. People choose, as I hold up my iPhone, to buy Apple products no one forces anyone to do those things they do it because those companies are companies that they trust or they provide products that people like and that's a net benefit to all of us and so i think we've got to we've got to distinguish between businesses who get to where they are by government relationships subsidies regulations that keep out competitors and businesses that do it by providing something that is really really valuable uh, to their customers Another customer or another texter said uh, stagflation. Yes, that is the definition of what we are currently experiencing. I'm worried that the Fed cannot raise interest rates high enough to actually bring down inflation for lots of reasons. One, the national debt. We couldn't afford our debt service. Two, our economy is already on the verge of being broken. And I think if interest rates continue to climb, when you start seeing 30-year mortgages at 8 9%, you're going to see an economy that goes in the toilet. Um, and that's bad for an awful lot of people. Uh, someone, uh, Nate, I believe says, sir, you just figured out that capitalism has no loyalty. I have no idea what that means. What I know is this, is that the United States for a long time operated very closely to a free enterprise system. And as we said before break, the end result of that was generationally people being lifted out of poverty education attainment levels that were unheard of in the modern world life expectancies that were unheard of in the modern world modern technologies that no one could have anticipated that make our lives far better that is the byproduct of free enterprise it is a byproduct that I will take a hundred percent of the time in comparison to what we used to experience as a as a species which was essentially most people living in poverty without very much progress most people dying early most people not being educated and maybe a very small sliver of society having any material wealth or any material comfort. So yes, free enterprise is a great thing. I would contrast that with what we experience now, where government has such a heavy hand in the economy, and that's really what is mercantilism as an economic theory, where the government kind of controls who succeeds and who doesn't succeed financially. We're not quite there. But certainly over the last several decades, we've gotten closer and closer to that. So I would reject the notion that the problems that we're describing are a byproduct of free enterprise. We've experienced tremendous prosperity and blessing because of free enterprise. The problem that we're experiencing is that we've deviated from foundational principles when it comes to how government should operate, how our economy should be run, and we're paying the price for doing that. And for a long time, we've been ignoring people who have been telling us that this day was coming thomas and greenwood refers to the road to serfdom that is central planning and he is right that the road to serfdom a famous f a hayek book um, essentially centered around the idea that when government tries to control every facet of the economy the end result is shared misery i think we are in danger of experiencing that um, you know in places like california as an example And we're going to talk to a guest in a moment, Ilya Shapiro with the Manhattan Institute, about some of the crazy economic regulations that California is trying to impose right now that affects the economy of the entire country. Might even talk about pigs a little bit. Not the kind you put on the grill. The U.S. Supreme Court today is hearing a case about whether or not California's Proposition 12, which required a certain size pen for any pig that was going to be sold in California. So these are pigs that are raised and slaughtered in other states. But if it's being raised and slaughtered in another state and ultimately ends up in a grocery case in California, it's required to have a much larger pen than what is customary. It affects the entire industry. It affects the price you pay at the grocery store for a pork butt or some ribs. We'll join Ilya in just a bit to talk about that. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert, Russell Tino, filling in from the Element Well studio. We'll be back in just a moment.
17: too far to visit give us a call at 601-362-9333 with your order or questions thank you for shopping local and supporting a mississippi owned business
12: this is home answers radio and my guest today is trey jackson of bulldog construction Trey, if a business has uneven sidewalks they're asking for trouble would you agree
15: The
3: best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at Fourth and Gold Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro. Call 769-208-8283. That's 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283.
13: The Gallo Radio Show is brought to you in part by TrustCare, where you'll find a team of experienced, knowledgeable, and friendly staff. Visit TrustCareHealth.com to schedule an appointment today. Trust Care. Feel better, faster.
6: How can R.J. Young help you? With digital communications, managed IT services, business process outsourcing, and office equipment and technology, R.J. Young is your source for the technology solutions that power your business. For more information and a quick demo of The Modern Office and how it's increasing efficiency and bottom lines of businesses across the country, visit us at themodernoffice.com.
18: I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Americans are feeling the pinch of 40-year high inflation. Jim Leggett, a professor of economics at Mississippi State University, talked about how we got here.
20: We spent $6 trillion we didn't have, and you lost a million people. I mean, let's, don't, don't forget that. You lose a million people, and for whatever reason, about 1.5% of the workforce has fallen out of the workforce. And you get the impression that uh, we're not really ready to face the answer. When you spend a bunch of money you don't have and yeah. spend a bunch of money you don't have, it never, never ends well. One of the books I've read talks about the periods of big government debt. Debt. He used the fancy word sovereign debt. Always ends in tears.
18: The rising cost of living is causing more people to fall behind. 32% of adults have paid a bill late in the past six months. 61% of them said it's because they didn't have the money to cover the cost.
6: Looking for something fun you and your family can do this weekend? Join Rebecca Turner every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. during Good Things to learn more about statewide events and happenings. Sponsored by the Mississippi Main Street Association.
5: Join Mississippi's handyman Buddy Slowick every Saturday from 10 till noon as he broadcasts live from the Mississippi Construction Education Foundation studio. Whether you're looking to learn a trade or expand your skills, contact MCEF today.
13: The University of Mississippi School of Business is hosting its annual Banking and Finance Symposium on October 14th at the Oxford Convention Center. Keynote speakers are Brad Bolton, Chairman ICBA, Marty Mosby, Director of Bank Equity and Strategy, Stiefel and Caitlin Long, CEO and Founder Custodia Bank. A Women in Banking Breakfast will be held again this year at 8 a.m. This symposium is open to all banking and finance professionals and banking students. To register, go online to the UM alumni page or email Dr. Ken Syree for more information.
0: Mississippi loves high school football. And now you can stream tons of high school football games from across the Magnolia State each Friday night just by going to supertalk.fm slash high school. That's supertalk.fm slash high school. And of course, on Friday nights during the season, there's always a game on your local Supertalk radio station. The season's on the line. When it comes to high school football in Mississippi, nobody does it like we do. We are Super Talk Mississippi. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: I simply cannot hear this song without thinking about Will Ferrell. It's not possible. Welcome back to Middays. Guest host today, Russ Latino. Hope you're doing well out there in Mississippi. Coming at you live from the Element Well studio. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can jump on with us at the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. I'm joined by an old friend, a really bright guy, Ilya Shapiro with the Manhattan Institute. Ilya, the Supreme Court hearing uh, today a case about whether or not Californians can bring home the bacon.
21: <laughs> That's exactly right. And it was a long argument, more than two hours. It just finished. I haven't been able to have lunch yet. Uh, the, the idea is California has a law about raising pigs, something that I'm sure Mississippians care about, both uh, raising and consuming them, and uh, about how they're housed and so forth. And this could uh, ultimately uh, impose a huge burden on the the pork industry, uh, very little of which is actually uh, in California. Uh, it's basically an animal anti-cruelty uh, regulation, and involves a, a complicated area of constitutional law involving states having an impact on interstate commerce.
2: Yeah. So essentially, California says, and it's not just for pigs, right? I mean, the 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 case the Supreme Court is hearing is about the, the pig side of things, um, but chickens and beef as well. California said in order for us to sell these products in our state, regardless of where they are raised and slaughtered, uh, they've got to be raised in very large, serene pens and things that aren't customary in the industry, um, I think, if I read correctly, 99% of pork produced is produced outside of California. 15% of it is consumed in California that's produced nationally. So help me understand why the Supreme Court would be able to weigh in on this.
21: It's uh, Well, you're we, probably familiar with uh, Congress's power to regulate interstate commerce. That's the basis of most federal programs. And since the New Deal, uh, the court is uh, not in the business of kind of looking at uh, uh, whether something is purely intrastate or interstate. Most things with a dollar sign attached pass muster. Uh, Well, this this is the, the inverse of that, and that's why this is called the negative or dormant commerce clause. Here, Congress has not regulated, although... There's some question about whether Congress has in the sense of labeling and and, uh, FDA uh, regulations and things like that. But uh, uh, Congress has not regulated the size of of pig pens and and such. Uh, And here a state is issuing a regulation. Now, it only applies to pork that's sold in California, uh, but it it applies or affects operations uh, nationwide. And so the court is grappling with whether that interference uh, or alleged interference with interstate commerce uh, 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 is is preempted, is blocked, is trumped by the federal here decision not to regulate in that way.
2: What is your suspicion, having listened to the argument, which I know is dangerous, but what what's your read on on direction, having listened to the argument?
21: Well, I, sh- I should say that I had filed a brief in an earlier stage of the case to to uh, support the idea that the court evaluate this because. Uh, the, the jurisprudence in this area is very confused. It's based on a 50-year-old precedent. And the court seems to be in the, in the business of reconsidering 50-year-old precedents, that the, the gaudy legalistic wallpaper from the 70s. Um, and um, it sounds, however, that the, there's not a majority to, uh, to rule for the pork producers here. It seems like California is going to be able to maintain its rule Um, Because of skepticism of how to draw the line, you know, in a sense, any state regulation could have uh, an extraterritorial effect if a uh, a producer wants to sell across state lines and can't easily distinguish, uh, you know, where where its channels of of commerce are, which ones it's using to, to get different products into a particular state.
2: Not not to get too nerdy with you, is some of that skepticism of the concept Yeah, I'm
21: trying to I'm trying to keep this at a at a high level because <laughs> I know I know you're you know I don't want your listeners to change the channel or click on a different different link here.
2: Well no, but I was about to ask something that was even nerdier, which is is some of it skepticism about whether or not the concept of the dormant commerce clause really exists in the Constitution at
21: all? That's exactly right. I mean, at least that's coming from Justices Thomas and Gorsuch, who, of course, have a, a narrower view of the Commerce Clause, the positive Commerce Clause, Congress's power to regulate interstate commerce, and they don't want to have an, a more expansive view uh, of the negative clause, lest it imply that Congress does have this, this expansive power. Now, some of the other justices, uh, those on the left, Sotomayor, Kagan, Jackson, uh, seem to be, um, you know, probably have uh, uh, other concerns, these line-drawing issues. And so this could be a, a sense of where it's sort of the left and the right against the middle. If anything, the, the justices most favorable to the challengers are, uh, are were Roberts and, and Kavanaugh and probably Barrett. So an interesting dynamic. And, and this
2: is a really interesting case insofar as essentially the Biden administration and the Biden DOJ are effectively against California, right?
21: That's right. This case has odd bedfellows all over the place. Absolutely, here the uh, yeah, the Solicitor General's office uh, basically took the same position as the producers, uh, distinguishing a health and safety regulation from a morals regulation. Because here, uh, Californians took a vote, uh, and it was a pretty large majority. I think it was like sixty-four uh, percent. Just didn't didn't thought it was cruel to animals not to have uh large uh uh places for them to be raised it's not based on uh science that the you know pork is healthier if it's free range or anything like that it's just a preference uh and so the, the that's that's what the Biden administration that's what those Solicitor general the governor the US government's lawyer is saying uh that the way to draw the line is between health and safety or other economic regulations versus here what's effectively a a, a morality judgment
2: Well, I feel deeply seen on your assessment of Mississippians' love of pork products, uh, but there are other cases out there that the Supreme Court will consider this term. You know, last term was clearly just sort of a quiet, we're-not-going-to-rock-the-boat kind of term, um, and it looks like this one's going to be boring, too.
21: (laughs) Well, I mean, nothing's going to top overturning Roe v. Wade, but this will be uh, a big term as well. Uh, Next month, uh, the court hears argument in challenges to the use of race in uh, higher education admissions, so affirmative action in in college uh, admissions, uh, challenging both Harvard and UNC. Those happen to be the oldest private and public universities in the country, respectively. And uh, the statistics surely uh, show that there's something funny going on because at any given level of uh, educational attainment, SAT scores, etc., it's tremendously harder to get in if you're an Asian American versus white versus hispanic versus black and it can go down the scale it's almost like they're engaging in racial balancing which the supreme court said uh is is improper and at this stage in the game again looking at some gaudy 1970s precedent about the use of race purely for diversity not to remedy past discrimination or anything like that uh, from which grain has ballooned our entire dei diversity equity uh, inclusion uh, apparatus in higher education uh, where that's felt more than probably anywhere else in American life, so that's going to be that's going to be a huge deal. Uh, we also have, uh, if you recall, the cake baker from uh, Colorado about five years ago, Masterpiece Cake Shop, didn't want to make a cake for a same-sex wedding. Uh, similar case here, also out of Colorado, uh, but involving a graphic designer and website design, which is unquestionably uh, activity protected by the First Amendment. So we don't have to argue about whether cake baking or flour arrangements is, uh, is expressive speech. Here it is, uh, but we have the, the head-on collision, uh, uh, allegedly, between anti-discrimination law and uh, the First Amendment. Um, uh, we've already heard argument in a very important environmental regulation, property rights case. When there's ponds on your property that uh, get bigger when it rains or if your property is somewhat near... Uh, a lake that's somewhat near navigable water. Can the EPA come in there and tell you what you can, what you can and can't build on your property? So these are uh, some some pretty hitty issues uh, uh, this term.
2: Yeah, no, it was interesting on the um, on the Harvard case, and I guess there's a North Carolina case. For were, were they consolidated?
21: They were consolidated, but then once Justice Jackson, the newest just, justice, was confirmed, they were unconsolidated because she's recused from the Harvard part because she was on the board of overseers there. I don't think it's going to matter to the result, because the the public-private distinction, as a matter of first principles, is important, but the court is not looking at the jurisprudence that sets the same standard for recipients of federal education funding as those who are constitutionally bound uh, in terms of being uh, uh, public states, uh, public uh, uh, institutions.
2: I I was looking at some of the information in the way that Harvard judges applicants um, a few days ago, and it was incredible to me that um, apparently, with many Asian students, there are essentially detractors in the the formula that they use, where they're saying that they lack personality, or that they are yeah hungry.
21: uniformly apparently apparently according to Harvard. And this is this some of this has come out in the uh, in the discovery materials that we've seen because that we do have some shocking revelations of what's gone on. There was no uh, there was a trial here, a bench trial, uh, and. Uh, and the, and the judge saw that, uh, yeah, they seemingly uniformly all Asians, the Asian Americans who apply to Harvard, have uh, very, very bad personalities. Yeah, that's incredible.
2: Ilya, can you ship, uh, stick around for one more segment? Sure. Excellent. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Middays. Russell Tino, guest hosting from the Element Wealth Studio.
10: Insurance.com. I'm Mason Irby, your Madison County Edward Jones financial advisor. We're all about financial investments, but we also value the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Madison Central Football on Supertalk Jackson. Call me, Mason Irby, at 601-616-6872 or visit edwardjones.com for all your investment needs. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
0: It's a sale over four decades in the making.
10: Miss Kelly's 44th anniversary sale.
0: Get up to $500 off our everyday low prices. Plus, take 60 months to pay with no down payment. Furniture trends have changed a lot since 1978, but Miss Kelly's never goes out of style. Stay on trend and on budget with this amazing anniversary offer. Up to 500 off plus 60 months to pay with no down payment at all Miss Kelly's locations.
17: Visit com for a free, no obligation estimate.
12: This is the midday agri market report. We're talking to Terry Emerson, the general manager of Prestige Farms, Mississippi, the largest Mississippi pork producer. Our big challenge could
16: be, uh, as, as every year, is
20: trying to keep the foreign animal diseases out of our country. The other countries are, are really getting hammered with uh, diseases such as African swine fever, foot and mouth. Uh, Thankfully, in in the U.S., we are free of those, and we work hard to try to keep those out. We have very strong biosecurity on our farms. Uh, We take great measures to keep all facilities clean. We can just keep those four animal
16: diseases out.
12: October is National Pork Month, and we want to say thank you to the families, farmers, producers, processors, and pork retailers across America. You are the people who make 100% real pork. Go to pork.org forward slash real dash pork to learn more. This is the Super Talk Mississippi Agri-News Network. In the South, farmland isn't one-size-fits-all. That's why Delta Pine cotton
5: varieties are bred and tested locally to improve yield potential in your neck of the woods. Featuring advanced weed and insect control to protect your cotton all season long and excellent yield potential for more pounds per acre. It's no wonder Delta Pine cotton consistently performs year after year. Find the cotton varieties to improve performance on your operation at deltapine.com. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices.
13: How would you like to be a step ahead of your competition? I'm talking about the cotton pests that eat at your bottom line. My key tarnished plant bug and thrip species. With Thrive On technology, you can. It's the industry's first cotton biotech trait to offer built-in protection against these insects. Talk to your local bear rep or dealer about this breakthrough technology or learn more at thriveon.com. Contact your local sales representative to learn about the availability of Thrive On technology. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices.
6: Tune in to Good Things with me, Rebecca Turner. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour, weekdays from 2 to 3 p.m. Right here on Super Talk Jackson
0: 97.3. You know what that means. Middays with Gerard Gibbert.
5: We'll do it live
0: on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back, Mississippi, to Middays. Gerard will be back tomorrow. Russell Tino, guest hosting, talking to Ilya Shapiro with Manhattan Institute. Ilya, you're going to be in Mississippi on several different occasions in the near future here, right?
21: That's right. Uh, October 27th, I'll be in Jackson at the River Hills Club for lunch for a Federalist Society event, uh, uh, talking about this Supreme Court term and the big cases that that you and I have just been discussing. And same thing the next day uh, in Gulfport uh, at the Great Southern Club. Both of those events, uh, I believe, start at 11.30 a.m. for some kibitzing, and then then at noon uh, I start talking at you.
2: Very, very good. I would encourage anybody who can attend one of those events to attend one of those events uh Ilya is is a great presenter and brings a lot of valuable insights he's also written an excellent book supreme disorder uh so i would encourage everybody to go to your your best bookstore or amazon and pick up a copy today um we don't want to run out right
21: uh, absolutely, and it's available in so many different uh, versions, Kindle, Audible, all this stuff. Updated paperback edition uh, just came out uh, in July, so it makes a great uh, gift for any any holiday or just any occasion, really. So, Supreme uh, Disorder, Judicial Nominations, and the Politics of America's Highest Court.
2: Yeah, and I, I would encourage everybody to pick up a copy. Um, Ilya, we just got a couple more minutes. I wanted to, if possible, dig maybe a little bit deeper into Sackett, which is coming off of a good decision. Uh, where the Supreme Court said the EPA really was overreaching in terms of its authorization uh, to enact regulation or or to really administer regulation. Uh, Sackett's another similar type case where you could see the Supreme Court going even further.
21: Yeah, that that was the the case of the Clean Water Act that I I teased without giving the name uh, a little bit ago here um the last term the the, the court uh, interpreted the clean air act to say that congress has to speak clearly if it wants to give that kind of awesome authority uh to, to to regulate to the epa somewhat of a different issue here about the definition of navigable water such that uh it is a federal issue that the, the you know i was joking about the ponds but congress is not supposed to have uh be able to tell you uh, what to do with your ponds or or puddles uh, unless they are connected somehow or at least the technical term is adjacent to uh, navigable waters. And this is a big issue that's been litigated now over a decade. In fact, this case, Sackett was at the Supreme Court a decade ago, where the court said unanimously that this couple in in Idaho, the Sacketts, could indeed uh, bring this action before the EPA decides to enforce a $75,000 daily fine on them. So, yes, this this case could be uh, the sleeper hit of the term, as it were, and important for jurisprudence, not going to beat out affirmative action and and, uh, you know, anti-discrimination law uh, for the headlines, but, but very important for, for regulation.
2: There, there's also an interesting election law question before the court in, in the Moore case uh, out of North Carolina, I believe. Talk a little bit about that case and the implications as we consider, you know, sort of post-2020. What's the role of states in, in deciding election law?
21: Yeah, this this case involves what's known as the independent state legislature doctrine, um, which comes from a constitutional provision that said state legislatures shall essentially make state uh, election law. Now, the interesting thing is, of course, state courts interpret state law. They do that all the time by definition. That's what they do with respect to criminal law, family law, tort law, contract law and election law as well. So is there a federal constitutional distinction from when the state court interprets state election law to uh, when it rewrites it? It's a very interesting question. Uh, a few years ago, in, in, in a challenge involving partisan gerrymandering, the Supreme Court said there are no federal constitutional standards for determining when politicians take politics too much into account when drawing uh, district lines. Uh, will the court uh, uh, find some way to say... When there's this violation of the uh, independent state legislature doctrine, or just a you know the the state supreme court is going too far, or is it purely left to the state citizenry to to change the state supreme court if if it uh, thinks that they're they're they're, they're acting uh, uh, you know out of sorts with with what the state constitution says?
2: I, I spoke at an event recently, um, and part of the conversation was around Dobbs. And it came up that, from someone else who was on the dais, that Dobbs was the most uh, egregious attack on democracy in the history of the court. Um, Which struck me as funny, since essentially what the court said was, we're going to return it to the people's elected representatives to make decisions. I think people have become accustomed to the court making policy. What's your read on this court and how far they're moving us back towards what I would say is the true constitutional purpose?
21: Yeah, the, the anti-democratic line, I think I think the uh, left-wing critics are used to using that when the court stops some sort of federal law because then you're going against Congress, it's anti-democratic. But here it's returning the issue, as you said, to, to state law. Look, most of this is manufactured outrage. People get polled every year, some years conservatives like the decision, some year the liberals do. The court is not facing some sort of crisis of legitimacy any more than our institutions are more broadly, which they are. But the court is certainly has more respect, and deservedly so, than Congress and the presidency and pretty much any other institution.
2: Oh, yeah, it's been great. We want to do it again. Thanks for being on with me, my man.
21: Thank you, and I look forward to seeing you down in, uh, in, uh, in Mississippi in a couple of weeks.
2: Very good. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert, Tino guest hosting from the Element Wealth Studio. When we come back, Senator Roger Wicker discussing Russia and Ukraine. I said that
18: time may change me, but I can't that.
0: Your home for Ole Miss Sports, WFMN Flora Jackson, Super Talk Mississippi, powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros, 601 345 8090.
19: news i'm chris foster more russian missiles and drone bombs have hit ukraine attacks on civilians condemned by g7 leaders including president biden after a video conference with ukraine's president zelensky their message repeated by nato secretary general Jens stoltenberg
12: our message is clear nato stands with ukraine for as long as it takes.
19: The Russian strikes are also hitting energy infrastructure. In Pennsylvania, children and adults taking care of them are sick from a carbon monoxide leak.
18: More than two dozen kids and workers from the Happy Smiles Learning Center in Allentown, Pennsylvania, are stable after being taken to hospitals and what the fire chief called a massive emergency response. It started early this morning with a 911 call about an unconscious child at the daycare.
19: Fox's Tanya J. Powers, another daycare around the corner, took in kids who needed taking care of.
8: I'm J.T. Mitchell, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. With statewide elections coming up in 2023, Senator Melanie Sojourner is vowing to make sure Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman doesn't get reelected. Here's what she said during her recent appearance on the conservative podcast called The Buck-Naked Truth. As
16: a matter
6: of fact, I feel like I've been, the chains have been set free, and now I've got one target, one goal, for the next year, and that's to make sure he never holds office in Mississippi again.
8: The animosity towards Hoseman comes after Sojourner's District was combined with another earlier this year. The GOP Senator out of Natchez, who served as Senator Chris McDaniel's campaign manager during his 2014 U.S. Senate run, also revealed that she's actively rooting for McDaniel to challenge Hoseman.
6: We need Chris McDaniel. Uh, My children, all of our children need him in that fight.
8: To read the story in its entirety, log on to supertalk.fm.
13: near you
8: here's what a family home prepared for tornado season looks like outside there's an adequate supply of propane in the tank the propane cylinders are stored outdoors not in the basement garage or shed on the fridge there are instructions for turning off the utilities and contact information for the local propane provider so how does your family's home measure up for more advice on tornado preparation, call your propane provider. Propane. Clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com to learn more. During the most recent legislative session, lawmakers passed a bill establishing a velvet buck season in Mississippi. William McKinley is with the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks.
11: We're the only state in the union that, that doesn't have some type of mandatory reporting system for big game harvest. So. It showed that our hunters are willing to do that. We had, uh, the count I saw was 285 deer were reported for the weekend. And so it was a good harvest. It was some really nice
8: bucks harvested. The season ran from September 16th through the 18th. And a black teenager has died after Gulfport police shot him in the head outside a discount store. 15-year-old Jaheim McMillan was shot last Thursday with the Harrison County coroner confirming the high school freshman's death on Monday. An autopsy is scheduled for today as the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation continues to take a closer look. With Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm J.T. Mitchell.
0: Nobody covers the Magnolia State like Supertalk. Supertalk Mississippi News is your source for all things Mississippi. Stay here and hear the stories that matter. Supertalk Mississippi News online at supertalk.fm
5: Join Sports Talk Mississippi every Friday during the 5 o'clock hour for Food Fridays presented by Polk's Meat. We'll tell you our favorite way to grill the delicious Polk's original, Cajun and garlic and green onion sausages, as well as other barbecue favorites. Remember, picky people pick Polk's. How has Mississippi
13: Farm Bureau Federation impacted your life over the last 100 years? Connecting the state through broadband service, protecting your private property, great insurance, member benefits saving your hard-earned income, and Oh, yes, our farms grow the cleanest and safest food in the world, agriculture, and so much more. We're what's best for all Mississippi. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. Become a member today at msfb.org.
7: Hey, it's Richard Cross. Be sure to catch Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for the best sports coverage right here in the Magnolia State, every day from 3 until 6, right here on Super Talk Jackson (laughs) 97.3.
2: Guest host Russell Tino in today filling in for Gerard from the Element Well Studio. We are honored to be joined by Senator Roger Wicker. Senator Wicker, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, We didn't do a voice test. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. Okay, good, great. Glad to be with you. Thanks for the invite.
2: Absolutely. So
1: over the weekend, we saw that Russia
2: escalated attacks across Ukraine. I know this is something that you've been really involved with and have been a leader on. Talk about what it means as we see Vladimir Putin presumably getting more desperate and as a result of that desperation uh, in many ways more violent uh, particularly towards civilians
1: now. Okay well let me start my answer by uh, by pointing out what I'm wearing on my lapel. Uh, I've got my Senate pin which we're required to do here to, uh, to get into certain places uh, on Capitol Hill. But then right above that, I have the American and the Ukrainian flag. I've worn this flag on my lapel every day that I've worn a lapel since February 24th. So uh, I I would make this point to begin answering your question. and, And that is that it is absolutely in the national security interest of the United States and every American for Vladimir Putin to lose this war and for the free people of Ukraine to, to drive the Russian invaders out. So, um, uh, to me, when someone as egregiously tries to um, to avoid the rules-based order that, that has kept us pretty much peaceful for the last 70 years, um, he, he needs to be taught a lesson. Um, and, of course, Russia is losing this war. Um, the, the tide has turned. The Russian people are not behind Putin. And so um, the, one of the great success stories in, in the last week was the bombing of this bridge that, that the Russians just built after they annexed, after they illegally annexed Crimea. And um, and the, the, the Ukrainians were successful enough to, to hit the bridge um, with a bomb um, carried by a truck, uh, we think and uh and so in retaliation in retaliation for this attack by ukraine on a strategic military target the response of Vladimir Putin has been what he's done uh for a lot of this war and that's to attack innocent civilians civilians uh, their ability to get out in public uh, school children and uh, the ability of, of the um, Ukrainian people to have power and heat and air conditioning so Um, It it is an escalation. I think the result has been that the European neighbors are now even more determined to help the Ukrainians drive the Russians out. Long answer, but uh, I think it's a pivotal turning point. But it indicates to me that Vladimir Putin is attacking non-military targets because he's losing the military part of this.
2: I think there are some on the both the left and right, and I don't actually think it represents a majority of our country, but there are some that look at the situation in Ukraine and they say, well, that seems like a dispute that is none of our business. Or they're quick to say, there are so many things going on in our own country, we shouldn't be supplying aid to Ukraine because there are bigger priorities at home. I want to double back to something that you led with and, and maybe get you to expound on a little bit. Vladimir Putin doesn't just represent a threat to Ukraine, right? He represents a threat to the entirety of Europe and, by extension, the entirety of the world. Am, am, am I overstating that?
1: I, th- I think you're absolutely right, Russ, Yes, uh, no question about it. We we have gotten to the point in this world that where it is unusual for a neighbor to invade another neighbor because. We've, we have agreements, we're going to respect borders and we're going to respect the the wishes of the people. And you you never see a democracy or a republic or a country in, in which there's even a constitutional demo, a democracy or a constitutional monarchy invade another country. It's always a dictator and it's always bad news. And to the extent that we live in a prosperous World and we Americans are able um, to to enjoy the level of uh, um, uh, the, the good life that we have. It depends on the rules-based order uh, sticking and being uh, being consistent and observed around the world. So, yeah, you know, what China is doing, threatening to do with Taiwan, and what Russia has uh, very unwisely done, absolutely affects us and. and In my judgment, and 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 you know, we can take care of the economy here in the United States, and also have a strong national defense at the same time. We can walk and chew bubble gum at the same time.
2: And and some of that risk with Putin is if you allow him to advance into Ukraine unabated, then Finland's next, and then who's after that, right? And so, I I it has struck me because I'm one of these guys that is largely reticent to the idea of American intervention in in foreign disputes. But there are certain threats that, if you do not push back at the beginning stages, result in much bigger trouble down the line. And that's been my read of this one. I'm curious what you think about the Biden administration's response. Obviously the president made news talking about nuclear Armageddon, which to me seemed reckless um, and shouldn't have been said. But I'm curious what you think about the Biden response.
1: I, th- I think the, the Biden response is just a follow-on to, um, to the signals of weakness that we've had ever since the debacle in Kabul, uh, Afghanistan. Uh, you know, there, there were two schools of thought about whether uh, we could stay there, keep a lid on things with, uh, with a small NATO force, or whether we should pull out and, and uh, people of uh, goodwill are, were divided on that. But the way we got out And the way the president really ignored what we now know was the advice of almost all of his generals and admirals um, and uh, DOD officials um, sent a clear signal of weakness. And so we've been frustrated at that. I think it has made China emboldened. I think it has sent a signal to Vladimir Putin that he could uh, embark on the war crimes that he has. Um, and, and, and so the, the, the sort of offhand remark at a, at a fancy party about nuclear Armageddon that the president made was absolutely ill-advised. Um, and, and it's the sort of thing we've seen time and time again with statements by our commander in chief having to be walked back, not the next day, but, uh, an hour later by the staff, who realized how, um how dangerous those remarks are. We are mindful that Russia has uh, tactical nukes and that they have strategic nukes. Um, and, and believe you me, we have, we have looked at, at this possibility. Um, but what you don't do is say, oh my goodness, this is Armageddon at the end of the world. And, uh, and and, and we're, we are uh, quaking in our boots about that. And to me, that's what that statement did.
2: Yeah, that certainly doesn't inspire confidence as you face what is a significant challenge and a real threat, but you expect a different level of, of confidence-inspiring rhetoric to come out of the, the highest office in the country versus panicking people about the potential of, of nuclear engagement. It strikes me that that's happened also in the context of Taiwan where he's made statements that have been walked back, and you alluded to the conflict with China and Taiwan potentially sort of brooding here or brewing here. Um, walk us through, if you will, because I'm sure a lot of people in the listening audience aren't as familiar with that conflict. You know, China obviously, I guess, claims that Taiwan is its sovereign territory, but, but what has brought that to the forefront in recent months?
1: Well, what's brought it to the forefront is that the president of, of communist China, this um, President Xi, uh, spelled X I, um, is is more and more aggressive, and and he is uh, um, he's been building up his defenses, and um, uh, the the country's not that prosperous uh, like we thought they were going to be, but they certainly are spending their resources. On on the navy and, and and other armaments, but particularly trying to dominate the Pacific, they believe in the one China policy, which the United Nations and the United States have given lip service to, uh, because we don't want to uh, we don't want to uh, create a, a disturbance needlessly, but clearly it's also our. Our view in the Taiwan Relations Act that uh, that Taiwan makes its own decisions, uh, that they are an independent um, unit out there, and that they get they uh, they they are a democracy. They're the kind of um, place where once you have an election like the United States, you don't know who's going to win until they count the votes. Unlike Russia and Iran, and um, and we need to do everything we can to keep the peace in the Pacific. And I think the way you do that is uh, is be strong. And so our, our Navy is not adequate, really, to the task out there. And we've got some building to do. And, and um, absolutely, when I move into a leadership position later on um, this year uh, in the Armed Services Committee, I hope one of the things we can do Let's is talk be about stronger that. with Let our we arms back. and prevent more.
13: We'll, we'll be back in just a moment.
17: this is Allison Callaway. Since 1954, Callaway's has been family owned and operated, located in Gluckstadt, south of Germantown High. Callaway's has a large selection of all your favorite trees, shrubs, and fall color plants. Callaway's has large rolls of pine straw, and we offer quantity pricing. Callaway's outdoor patio furniture is in stock and ready for delivery, all 20 to 50% off, and for a limited time, free delivery in the metro area. Our farmer's market is full of fresh fruits, vegetables, fall pumpkins, local honey, jellies, jams, and the best tomatoes in town. Callaways has farm fresh produce seven days a week. Did you know Callaways has beautiful decorative accessories and gift items for your indoor and outdoor living spaces? Callaway's has bulk soils for pickup and local delivery. Callaway's landscape designers Clinton Streeter and Corey Castle can design and install your landscape. Callaway's Gluckstadt on Calhoun Station Parkway, south of Germantown High.
9: Everything for home and garden. That's what
7: Be sure and check out the newly remodeled Basil's in Fondren, where you get simple food done well. And don't forget to drop by Basil's Fountain View at the Renaissance. Go to eatbasil's.com for online ordering for both locations. That's Basil's.
9: This is Ben Shapiro reminding you to listen to the Ben Shapiro Show weekday nights starting at 9 p.m. here on 97.3. Super Talk Jackson.
0: Okay, is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbons on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: To middays with Gerard Gibbert, Russell Tino, guest hosting. Happy to be joined by Senator Roger Wicker. Uh, Senator Wicker, before we went to break, we were talking about some of the turmoil across the globe The Russian-Ukrainian conflict, obviously a growing sense of escalation between China and Taiwan uh, that represents a national security threat to the United States as well. Um, I I just, for one thing, I want to tell you that I'm, I'm glad that there are folks like you that are serious-minded people that are being thoughtful and approaching what are serious challenges across the globe. Um, because I think it's it's dreadfully important in a time where it feels like we are weaker than what we should be on the national stage, that there are people who are thinking that way. So I appreciate that.
1: I, I, Thank you. Thank you, Russ. And you know, uh, Ronald Reagan believed in peace through strength. And he achieved that. And um, to me we uh, we need to return to that philosophy, peace through strength of Reagan I, I wanted to
2: if you're open to it, shift gears and talk a little bit about uh, the elections that are coming up, obviously you were the head of the NRSC uh, in a period uh, of, of real success, um, and I am curious what your thoughts are as we head towards midterms do you see a path where Republicans regain the Senate?
1: Well, I do, but look, I'm, I'm going to shamelessly plug something that I've been working on. Uh, this this is a book by Senator Tim Scott, and uh, he is running for re-election this year in South Carolina and will be uh, re-elected almost certainly. Uh, he's going to make a presentation at the University of Mississippi Gertrude Ford Center on Friday afternoon uh, ushering in the Declaration of Independence Center. Uh, where we're gonna study, um, I have a, a minor at a major university, the first in the country studying Declaration of Independence Thought. That's 4 p.m. Friday, and uh, I would hope that uh, the press and the, uh, the people in Mississippi would come and be part of that. Regrettably, Tim's gonna to have to appear uh, remotely because he's, he's come down with COVID. But it's a, it's a big announcement and a big step for a major university to put in their philosophy department um, a course of study that says what we did in 1776 and 1787 was special and it, uh, it's a good thing to celebrate and and to challenge those people uh, who don't believe in, in what we were doing now. Um, to answer your question about the election, yes, I think, I think the response of the American people is going to be to reject Joe Biden and his policies and the policies implemented by the Democratic majorities in the House and Senate. Well,
2: uh, two-fold response on my part. One, glad Tim Scott is involved because I think he's incredible. Uh, I've been a big fan for uh, of him for a long time. Uh, two, a question for you on the elections. Um, what are the biggest races in the country? right now where you see the opportunity for for Republicans to gain a seat that would give you the majority
1: I think we've got we've got a reasonable chance uh, and and, and, in four states I think we've got a good chance in New Hampshire uh, Georgia uh, with Herschel Walker um, out in uh, the state of Nevada um, with Adam Laxalt and in Arizona We we have other longer shots maybe in, in Colorado and the state of Washington. But but here's the key issue for us. Almost every decision that President Biden has made um, has resulted in, um, in in the shape we're in. I mean, he, he, he went on the attack against domestic oil and gas from day one with the regulatory policy. And so is it any wonder that gas prices are are above three dollars again in the state of mississippi they're above six dollars out in california um he was warned by by president obama's economic advisor larry Summers not to do this expensive stimulus package it would cause inflation they went ahead and did it anyway passed it on uh, a strict partisan basis so that's why we have the inflation um, and and the, not to mention the weakness that that I've already talked about um, in uh, in foreign policy and on the border. Again, even during the campaign, President Biden, candidate Biden, said we we're going to uh, we we're going to open the border. I mean, could not have made a clearer statement. So all four of those issues, I think, are the issues that are uh, top of mind for the American voter. And I think they're going to decide we need we need at least some counterbalance to these policies coming out of the White House. And the last thing we need is a majority in the Senate and a majority in the House that are going to continue to rubber stamp these Biden policies.
2: What do you see as uh, the biggest challenges? Is it Pennsylvania? Is it Wisconsin?
1: Well, I, I see we hold um, all of the seats that we have. Um, in, in Wisconsin, um, this is the third time Senator Ron Johnson has, has uh, run. He's won both times before, and I can tell you the last time was six years ago when I was chairman of the committee, and, uh, and he, never, um, he, he never was ahead in any of the polls. Uh, he's actually a, a bit ahead this year, so I feel real good about that. And again, um, he, he is running a, against someone would absolutely be a rubber stamp for all of these wrong-headed uh, energy and national security and uh, border security policies that President Biden has. Uh, and and I see us uh, coming from behind uh, quickly in Pennsylvania against probably the most left-wing candidate that Pennsylvania has ever nominated, uh, this Fetterman lieutenant governor who's really never uh, never held a job, lived with his parents till he was almost 50, and suddenly he's the he's the best the democrats can put forward um against dr oz in pennsylvania so really uh i think the american people are going to say we have a choice do we continue with these failed policies that have given us huge inflation high gas prices and a weakened national presence or or do we uh, vote for some folks that are going to try to stand up to those policies
2: yeah, at least with uh, Fetterman, I, I I don't know that I've ever seen anybody run for the United States Senate in a hoodie, so that's a first. Um, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't own a tie. Um, it, it strikes me that
1: well, you know, that's okay. A lot of a lot of people don't own ties, but uh, um, he is absolutely further to the left than Bernie Sanders, elected as a socialist candidate. Is the policies sure. he would vote for? That are, e- that are even more out of the mainstream than the hoodie he wears.
2: Than his attire? That's an excellent point. Um, yeah. it, it strikes me that, you know, obviously during election season, the natural tendency is you grab a bit, gravitate back into your party. They're going to be talking points that both sides use. But outside of election season, when things actually get done that there used to be at least some appetite to find common ground and accomplish things in DC. It feels like that has, in a lot of ways, dissipated or been eroded. Am I overstating the, the level of animosity in DC or the atmosphere?
1: Well, it's, it's pretty bad. I will say this. Um, after the election, I'm going to move into a leadership position on the Armed Services Committee. I'll, I'll be chairman if the Republicans uh, retake the majority and I'll be the ranking Republican if not. Uh, on that committee, um, I, I will say that our current chairman, um, Senator Jack Reed, a Democrat of Rhode Island, and Senator Inhofe, the Republican of Oklahoma, have worked together. And you'd be surprised um, uh, how much progress we've been able to make in that regard increasing the military budget from what President Biden has suggested, a substantial investment in, in again, Reagan-like peace through strength. So uh, if, if you want to be encouraged ab- about uh, one thing, it would be that maybe that's, uh, that's a special issue where, uh, where we've come to some uh, consensus.
2: I'm curious, uh, as you look at the the landscape over the next couple of years, obviously we've got foreign conflicts, we've got questions about inflation, if you wanted to give people hope not about Washington, D.C., but about the future of this country, what would you say to them?
1: Well, the, the real hope is that, that we can carry on for the next two years under the, the Biden and Harris administration. Um, They're still going to be in charge of the bureaucracy, which, as you know, makes a lot of the decisions. Uh, But to the extent over the next two years that, that we can absolutely block these stimulus bills and keep taxes from going up, a majority in the House and a majority in the U.S. Senate will absolutely prevent any further tax hikes. And we know President Biden would like to do that. If the Democrats win the House and Senate, um, we're going to have another big tax bite um, and, and a further chipping away of the Trump tax cuts of 2017 which I, um, I think is probably the best thing i voted for in recent years because it, caused, it ushered in um, an uh, era of uh, growth and job creation, took the burden off job creators and gave them a little more flexibility to create more American jobs.
2: Thank you. We've been joined by Senator Roger Wicker. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you for your service right now. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert, Russell Tino, guest hosting from the Element Well studio. We'll be back in just a moment.
3: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, sunny conditions, high near 84. Tonight, partly cloudy, low around 60. Your Wednesday rolls in, a 30% chance of rain, mostly sunny, high near 85. Wednesday evening, a slight chance of rain, low around 64. And for your Thursday, sunny skies, high near 82. This weather brought to you by our friends at Gaddis mclaurin Mercantile since 1871. For all your dear camp needs, stop by today. Gaddis mclaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton.
6: staff get things done? Teamwork. When a team works together, they can do anything. That's why all of us at Janny King, the king of clean, are excited to team up with you. At Janny King, our team has been working together for over 35 years, cleaning your places for work, education, medical attention, eateries, stadiums, and worship. Let our team help your team. Go to JanieKingCleans.com and trust your clean to the king. That's JanieKingCleans.com. Janny King, the king of clean.
9: 601-605-4443.
7: I'm Andy Gibson, your commissioner of agriculture, inviting you to the 163rd Mississippi State Fair in Jackson, October 6th through 16th. There'll be music, food, rides, and games for the whole family. This year, we're going to have great live music, all free with the price of admission. Come on out to experience Scotty McCreary, David Lee Murphy, Midnight Star, B.O.B., and Bobby Rush. You can also enjoy daily shows from local entertainers on the main stage.
16: It's all waiting for you at the Mississippi State Fair, October 6th through 16th. I'll see you there.
8: I'm J.T. Mitchell, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. With statewide elections coming up in 2023, Senator Melanie Sojourner is vowing to make sure Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman doesn't get reelected. Here's what she said during a recent appearance on the conservative podcast called The Buck Naked Truth. As a
6: matter of fact, I feel like I've been the chains have been set free, and now I've got one target, one goal for the next year, and that's to make sure he never holds office in Mississippi again.
8: The animosity towards Hoseman comes after Sojourner's District was combined with another earlier this year. The GOP Senator out of Natchez, who served as Senator Chris McDaniel's campaign manager during his 2014 U.S. Senate run, also revealed that she's actively rooting for McDaniel to challenge Hoseman.
6: We need Chris McDaniel. Uh, My children, all of our children need him in that fight.
8: To read the story in its entirety, log on to supertalk.fm. From
13: the ground up, from the grassroots. That's how we began in 1922, and that's how we do things today.
0: Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: I'm waiting for it to do something exciting. It's coming, right? It's the buildup.
4: That's the way the Who music works. Or does it just do this for a little while? And the crazy thing is, it's it sounds really busy, but that's about four keys on a keyboard. Is that right? Oh, yeah. We getting there, or no?
5: <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go.
2: That's the note. Welcome back to Middays with Gerard Gibber. Gerard will be back tomorrow. Russell Tino, guest hosting. I was waiting for it. That makes for excellent radio, by the way. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> Any moment now. Oh, man. it's a good conversation with Senator Wicker. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, obviously there are a lot of people uh, who have a lot of thoughts about Uh, the Ukraine-Russia situation. Certainly our text line would suggest that. If you want to be engaged with the ceasefire text line, you can do so at 601-879-4395. But a lot of people weighing in during the course of the interview um, with an approach that is not altogether unheard of or surprising, which is essentially, why are we spending money in Ukraine? Why are we involved in this? And it's something that I kind of asked the senator about a little bit, I think that people, um, at some level, need to understand, and, and maybe you and Gerard have talked about this in the past, that the
4: aid that the United States gave to Ukraine, it wasn't like we just dropped pallets of money on them. Right. We didn't, here's a blank check, go spend what you need. A
2: lot of that aid came in the form of weapons, and a lot of those weapons essentially were last year's model, so to speak.
4: Yeah, I mean, military equipment, for for lack of a better term, has an expiration date. It has an operational use. And if you think back to when President Trump first started taking on ISIS and dropping Moabs, the mother of all bombs, one of the reasons behind pulling that out of the arsenal was because they had a date that they needed to be used by or they would no longer be operational. Well, a lot of the stuff that's been sent to the Ukraine is in the same boat. We're not currently fighting any wars. We're out of Afghanistan. But the money's already been spent on this equipment, on these weapons, on these arms. Why not use it to take one of the the people off the table, like Russia, especially if it doesn't involve endangering American lives?
2: No, 100%. I mean, what you're talking about are... And I say last year's model it's really not even that they're they're older weapons by and large. that doesn't mean that we're not supplying them with other forms of support um, but also in the in context of trillions of dollars of spending, um, we're not talking about um, a huge chunk now to me, what we've sent them is a huge chunk of value but but in the context of trillions of dollars of spending, we're not talking about that I think here here's where I come down on it. Um, I am a conservative with libertarian tendencies, let's call it that. I don't think we should police the world. I'm not a fan of getting engaged for 10, 15, 20 years in foreign theaters. I'm just not. I thought we should have pulled out of Afghanistan. I thought the execution was horrific in terms of pulling out. But I thought, you know, anytime we put men and women in danger that wear the American uniform... There should be a very clear mission objective. We should give them the resources that they need to accomplish it. And when they're done, we should bring them home. And so I looked at something like Afghanistan and said, I think we far outlived our purpose there. Um, And my general inclination is for America not to try to be the policeman for the world. That being said, there are periods in history where that mentality has backfired tremendously. And I used to always say, and it's a, a well-known sort of nomenclature or cliche, that you know the first person that evokes Hitler in a conversation has lost the conversation, right? Because they're being absurd and making the comparison. But at some level, human nature has never changed, right? And if you have an autocratic dictator that has shown a desire to rebuild the Soviet empire, and you're looking at the first step as ukraine that's not the last step that's the first step then it becomes a different level of analysis do we let this guy get to the point that he controls the entirety of europe or on the front end do we say we don't think it's cool for you to invade a neighboring state that is a sovereign nation and we are going to to help them Push back on this invasion. Not to mention the fact that we had told Ukraine very, very many years ago when they denuclearized that if they were ever attacked, we would defend them, right? And so there's also this sort of moral obligation outside of the national security interest where we literally told a country of people, if you will do X for us, we will come to your defense. And the truth is, the United States has a really bad history of promising nations, if you will do what we want you to, we'll be there for you in your time of need, and then oftentimes not living up to that. For a period of my life, a very short period, I worked at the United Nations for the nation of Bosnia and Herzegovina. That's a much longer story as to how that happened, Um, but part of what I did was I planned a symposium Uh, to commemorate an attack in Bosnia in a place called Srebrenica. And essentially this town was invaded by Serbian forces. Every man and boy in the entire town was killed and buried in a mass grave. And how that unfolded is that you had a bunch of UN and US troops that had gone into eastern Bosnia and said, if you will disarm yourself, we will protect you. If you'll turn in your guns, we'll be there to help you. They took the guns, and when the Serb soldiers showed up, there weren't enough to defend them against them. They let them in, and they killed an entire town of people. There are stories like this over and over again. One, it's a really good reason not to allow anybody to disarm you. But two, if you promise someone, if they will do something for you, that you'll have their back, and then when it comes time, they live up to their end of the bargain, and when it comes time for you to live up to yours, you don't, That's a moral problem. And so I think there's both a national security interest there, and whether or not we like it, we made a commitment, and candidly, I think we should keep those kinds of commitments. We probably should make less of them. But if we make them, we should keep them. And so there's real reason not to allow Putin to go on the run through Europe. The other reason not to allow Putin to do that is that we don't want to embolden other people who have very similar mentalities. And so I was glad Senator Wicker talked about Taiwan and China. We mentioned it on Friday's program. It's getting less attention than obviously what is an active war between Russia and Ukraine. But that is a situation that could end up being a far larger powder keg were it to
4: explode. And if you look at pre-Ukrainian invasion... A lot of attention was being paid to China and their build-up for what looked like an invasion of Taiwan sometime this fall. They were getting ready to pull the trigger. Russia acted first. The entire world came to the defense of Ukraine with embargoes and sending military aid, and it made China take a step back and go, maybe we aren't quite ready. No,
2: 100%. I think if you're if you're looking at this and waiting for dominoes to fall, if Iran were to move against Israel, that would pull us into another theater, and there's there's some risk of that right now. And then obviously, if China were to move against Taiwan, that creates a scenario that may not be motivated by the same things that uh, the Third Reich were motivated by, or Emperor Hirohito was motivated by. But it creates a scenario that looks an awful lot like a global conflict, world warish style, right? We want to avoid that. I think the way you avoid that is by exhibiting your willingness to win that. And if you're not going to exhibit a willingness to win, the bully will keep being a bully. So there is an element in what Senator Wicker was saying that I think is absolutely true, for the purpose and the interest of united states citizens we can't afford to let the bully go unpunched in the nose and i think to some degree that's what we're seeing obviously the biden administration has conveyed a level of weakness particularly with some of the recent comments which are just unheard of and reckless uh, around nuclear armageddon should have never been uttered
4: i I think but you notice he only said it in a closed, behind-door setting with a bunch of rich donors.
2: Yeah, and that's the other thing. If we're really on the verge of a nuclear Armageddon, you need to talk to the American people. You need to look the American people in the eye on a television screen at 8 o'clock at night and say, here's the circumstance, and here is how I'm going to make sure your family is safe. He hasn't done that. He's trying to raise money off of fear, and in doing that, creating global fear and panic. It's not smart. It's reckless. And I guess it's emblematic of where we are in terms of leadership right now. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert coming with you from the Element Wealth studio. Russell Tino, guest hosting. We'll be back in just a moment and we'll talk about fentanyl trick-or-treating. It's true.
0: With yours.
4: This is Dave Logan with Canon Nissan of Jackson. Now's the time to get a brand new Nissan from Canon Nissan of Jackson. New Nissans are arriving daily, and Canon Nissan will match any competitor's prices on tires, batteries, and more. Nobody beats a Canon deal.
7: Nobody. Nicely done, Beef. When football fans everywhere cheer for their team, they're cheering for you, too. Because your savory snacks fuel the gridiron battle. With your tasty sliders, hearty chilies, and drool-worthy steaks, every option is an MVP. Most valuable protein. So gather around the TV and get cooking at com. Funded
10: by beef farmers and ranchers. I'm Mason Erby, your Madison County Edward Jones financial advisor. We're all about financial investments, but we also value the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Madison Central Football on Supertalk Jackson. Call me, Mason Irby, at 601-616-6872 or visit edwardjones.com for all your investment needs. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
0: Your window tint headquarters at Auto Trim Designs on Highway 80 in Pearl is now also your best source for the lasting protection of Expel paint protection film. Your car is too precious to fail to protect it from bugs, rocks, and road debris. For more info, go to autotrimdesigns.com. This is Treasurer David McRae. One out of every ten Mississippians has unclaimed money. It's not the
13: government's money. It's your money, and I want to help return it to you. Join Treasurer David McRae and team during the State Fair. Stop by the Unclaimed Money and College Savings booths, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. October 6th to 15th to see if you have unclaimed money, learn about college savings, and sign up for a chance to win a $500 scholarship. Treasurer David McRae and team in the trademark at the State Fair until October 15th. Come see us.
9: This place right here, this is Seaspire Country. It's where Matt's sister scheduled her wedding on a college football Saturday. But luckily, he's a man with a plan. A wireless plan with Blazing Fast 5G. So he can stream the game right on his phone.
5: One eye on the nuptials. I now pronounce you man and wife. The other on the action. No! Yes! Welcome to c Country, where champions reign. 5G not available in all areas. Capable device required. Visit cspire.com for details.
6: My husband and I want the best for our children. So when our son Tripp shared his interesting career and technical education, we panicked. Hard work, dirty jobs, low pay... That's what we thought until we got the facts. We discovered countless paths to success, not to mention the growth opportunities. I'm so glad we listened to Trip.
13: Trade up. Discover the power of career and technical education and start building your career. This message brought to you by the Mississippi Construction Education Foundation.
7: Building tomorrow's workforce today. To all the folks in the Capital City metro area, love to have you join me tomorrow morning, 6 till 9, Gallo Show. We'll start your day the informed way. Super Talk Mississippi 97.3.
0: You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Welcome back to Middays with Gerard Gibbert, Russell Tino, guest hosting for Gerard. He will be back uh, tomorrow, but hosting from the Element Wealth Studio. If you're thinking about or planning retirement, you should do that. Go to MyElementWealth.com, call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find the balance between income, growth, and guarantees. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been engaged on the C text line today. Text line number 601-879-4395. Appreciate the feedback, questions, all of it good stuff, even when I disagree. Speaking of things I disagree with, There is this sort of hysteria that is taking to the airwaves and Twitter and all sorts of places.
4: Oh, it's been around long before Twitter ever even was a twinkle in the eye of the creator. Hysteria? (laughs) Well, the the hysteria you're speaking about. I remember it when I was a wee lad. Sure. So when we were but wee lads in the
2: 80s and early 90s, um, we were told that if we went trick-or-treating there would be acid in our candy and all manner of drugs that would get us hooked on drugs and you know people were going to hide razor blades and things and the parent i've got two children i don't want any of that stuff to happen uh... but as it turned out none of it actually was true um, right now fentanyl is a real problem in the united states It is a systemic threat to young people. And when I say young people, college-aged, older, in the United States, teenagers in high school maybe, um, and it's dangerous. And I'm not going to belittle the danger that it represents Uh, as somebody that has experienced in my own family um, death resulting from medication. it's something that I'm very empathetic towards. I'm very empathetic towards people who become addicted to, to pills. Um, that being said, this is sort of ridiculous political theater to scare people into believing that, you know, the little old lady with the knees down the street is going to slip little Johnny some fentanyl in his pumpkin pail. It ain't happening. I mean, first of all, Generally speaking, you should know where your kids go trick-or-treating. And I suspect that your kids go trick-or-treating in your neighborhood, and I suspect that you generally know who your neighbors are or have some sense of who they are. Um, So that's a good first positive step. Two, a gram of fentanyl on the street sells between $150 and $200 a gram. You know, smaller amounts, the fentanyl patches are about $40 on the street. Even if Ms. Wilson is a drug dealer, despite the blue hair and the sweet little knees, she is not going to slip your child that kind of money into their pumpkin pail. I think, I use this to, to say this, there's this discussion unfolding right now in the United States around crime and drugs, and those are important discussions that need to take place there are legitimate reasons for concern particularly with crime in urban areas right now. And it's not unique to Jackson, Mississippi. I know we've talked about that. But across the country, many urban areas during COVID experience a spike in crime. There are all sorts of reasons for that. Schools being let out with no supervision. You've got people with excess money. You've got people who are socially uh, drawn away. And because of that, higher addiction levels, higher usage of alcohol, higher depression levels. There's all sorts at play for why crime ticked up in cities across the country during covid coincidentally the fbi data shows that it is now flattening flattening out which is a positive thing but we can have those conversations about crime and drugs without resulting to absolute hysteria and without letting the pendulum swing in such a way that we go back to 80 style, lock them up and throw away the key, don't do drugs, war on drugs, because the reality is, and we know this, scientifically we know it, we know the numbers support this, the war on drugs did not do anything to abate the use of drugs. Nothing. It created mass incarceration. It sent a lot more people to prison and broke up a lot more families. But it did nothing to address the addiction crisis in this country at all. It didn't work. And so before we resort back to this mentality that is not evidence-based but fear-based, I think we need to pump the brakes on saying things like, people are going to be giving your kids fentanyl in their Halloween buckets. Because I don't think we're actually at risk of that. Just my two cents on the rainbow fentanyl. Controversy that had Twitter a buzz yesterday. People taking to the airwaves, all sorts of fun. Look, it's been a great time. I enjoyed it again. Thank you, Rhino. Oh yeah, Gerard will be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Middays. This is Russell Tino signing off from the Element Well Studio. Have a great rest of the day.